Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, DJs and DJs of the future, this episode of the podcast is supported by Doing the Damage, the only DJ pool focused exclusively on house and dance music, supplying the best remixes, bootlegs, mashups and exclusive promos from their global network of DJs, producers and labels. Check it out now at doingthedamage.com. You can find more episodes of this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and on Mixcloud, simply search Felix Leiter in the house. They include James Hype, PBH, Ben Rainey, Simon Kennedy. The list goes on. Check it out. In this episode, I talked to Hannah Lang about her running her own parties, selling out buses to huge events she was playing at, and quitting her job to head to Ibiza to start with nothing. Hers is a unique success story of an ambitious young woman in an industry dominated by men. I've got nothing but respect and admiration for Hannah. Take a listen. I imagine you'll end up feeling the same way. Felix Leiter's In The House, the podcast about DJs, what they do and who they are. Okay, so we are live with Hannah Lane. Yes. That's right, I was worried about getting it wrong. Uh, we're in Dundee, um, we're in Hannah's studio, which is pretty nice, uh, and we're going to do um, a podcast. So, we're going to start where I always start, same first question all the time. What is your like first memory of music? Like, Where do you remember hearing music? Like, Who was playing it? Was it in the car? Was it in your house? Was yeah. it your mum? Like, what, yeah. Just first to memory be, of music? To be honest with you, that's the main reason I'm into music, is because my parents... Um, my mum and dad are both heavily into house music and have been, and trance to be honest. So basically, the soundtrack of my childhood was the likes of Sasha, John Digweed, Roger Sanchez. Um, but my first memory would have to be um, a track that my mum always used to play as I was growing up, and it was Delirium Silence. Okay. And that is probably the track that got me into it. Is that like the Tiesto mix of it, like the, the famous one? Uh, to be honest, I don't know which mix it was, but it's the vocal that I remember. Yeah. So, um... Like what's she called when, again? It's not Rachel... Is it not Rachel McFadden? No. Sa- Sarah? S- no. Oh, Sarah. Yeah. Oh, I forget her name. I'll and, Google it. Um, then there was a club um, in Dundee that I went to where Dave Pierce was playing. Okay. Um, I was maybe a bit younger than I should have been at the time, but okay. I went and he played that track and I just couldn't believe it. Um, I was about 16 and it was unreal. And obviously, as I listened to that track when I was growing up, to hear it live was class. <laughs> yes, Sarah McLaren. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, Mac- it's like a weird L- L- McLaren, yeah. So, we're skipping forward here, but we'll, don't worry, I'll bring it back. And you must play remixes of Silence now. Yeah, or you so must have, have done in the I've past. got so many remixes. Obviously, <laughs> when I first started DJing, I played quite different from what I play now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah I've got remixes of it in every genre, to have, be honest have you, with you. Have you ever remixed it? No, I haven't. Um, have but you thought about it's it? Some, I've, got, I've literally got um, a, a list in my notepad and it's got all these different ideas. So I'm getting through them one by one. Obviously, I'm trying to work on some originals, but I've got loads of ideas for like edits, remixes, yeah. bootlegs. So, yeah, that's cool. definitely on the list. Right, so we'll, we'll, we'll wind it back. I got a bit excited there. So we'll wind it back to... So your mum and dad were, were kind of listening to a lot of dance music. Yeah. So was that like in the house? Did they have... Yeah. Vinyl was it on tape? Was it on CD? Like well, it was on CDs. My mum and dad are quite young, so they were um, around when yeah, dance music was getting huge and um, all the raves in the nineties and stuff. 
So yeah, with them being really young, they had me at a really young age. They had me when I was seventeen. Okay. So you can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, in the house, in the car, CDs. I've got all the old CDs. A big bag of. Um, the Were you like? Can you remember like being upstairs and them having like house parties? Downstairs? Yeah. No, I actually can't. That, that's the scary thing about it. We used to live in a flat um, when they were really young, and that's what I remember. I always remember like, being in my bed and. Like just do do do. So yeah, I've got all their old CDs. It's like Ministry, Head Candy, all trans classics. Yeah, so that's really why I'm into it, and it's just never left me really. And then the fact that I'm into it, I'm into it now. They love it, so they come to my gigs, um, oh, support wicked. me a hundred percent. If I'm working on any music, recording any mixes, I've always got an ear there to listen to cool. as well. So yeah, and it's uh, and because they actually know their stuff, it's great. It, so then, what was so the next? thing that we get to is then like what's the first recollection you have of like someone being a dj was it like was it your dad it was it a mate of your dad like did someone have decks like was anyone like did you ever go like was or it was, was it or was it more when you were like did, did you have friends who had like decks or like no it was i was i went to teen the park for years from i think i first started going to teen the park when i was about 15 <laughs> and then i saw for anyone that hasn't been to teen the park by the way it is <laughs> Fucking insane! It is. I miss it so much. <laughs> um, oh so yeah, I went God. there and I saw um, Swedish House Mafia. Okay. Okay. So it was still it was really young at the time, back in the day, and I saw their set and they played their album. I think it's one. Yeah. And so it was that set. Okay. And then I'd bought the album and yeah. So was that, so you hadn't seen anyone DJ before well, you went to Teen the Park. Well, because I was. I was still really, you were allowed to go to Teen the Park if you were under 18. Yeah. So I hadn't really had an opportunity to, to go properly. To like clubs or anything. Yeah. So, and it was, yeah, then after that, I started really going to and clubs. And none of your pals had like a DJ set up or anything like that? No, no. So um, when I started going to. So Swedish House Mafia at Teen the Park is quite the induction. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and, DJs. and then it was like um, David Goethe and stuff as well. I was really into that yeah. at the time. Um and then, Are we listening to anything on the radio? Like, were you kind of yeah, listening to so any DJs on the radio? Yeah, at that time when I was starting out, it was a major EDM thing. Yeah. Um, like, progressive um, Swedish. So was that, like, Radio yeah. 1, or was it more, like, Scottish local stuff? No, or? no, it would have definitely been Radio 1. Okay. Um, the, the Scottish local stuff, like, it would be um, GBX. Yeah. So, yeah, like, kind of that stuff, the harder side of things. Yeah. Which, yeah, I loved. Um, when I was Is younger, that George something. Uh, yeah, George Bowie. So yeah. when I was younger, like, as well, like really young, I used to listen to all the PC DJ stuff, DJ Kami, DJ Rankin, um, and that stuff's making like a mad comeback. Yeah, now. yeah, like, so, and all the guy Paul who runs I Am a Raver. So and that's because yeah, like, really that's well. been down in the club in Newcastle yeah, uh-huh. a few times. And yeah, that like that was a uh, that was the first sort of music I'd listened to when I was very young. But that's now I wouldn't really see that as uh, like. And like artist, you know what I mean? It was just well, I like squeaky noises because when I think back, it's good. Don't get me wrong. It's no, no, because when I think back, like some of the first like like things that I had before I really fully kind of understood like what DJing was or even how you would DJ. I was like, I remember having like bonkers tapes and like bonkers CDs, yeah. and that was like I guess like the kind of the Northern England version of that kind of like, like I, I am Raver stuff. stuff. Do you know what I mean? It was kind yeah. of coming out of like. I guess like around the northwest, like if not Wigan, but like Burnley and Wigan. like yeah. Pixie and Dougal, and yeah, even, yeah, yeah, and even like mm-hmm. um, Stan Styles, like Foster yeah. Styles. And I, I'm now you say it like that. I had those mixes, and I knew they were like 
DJ mixes. Yeah. But I'm not sure I knew. No, what I didn't that see them meant. as a DJ. Like, or, or how they did it, or like yeah. what it was on. Like yeah. I just knew that it was some guy. It was like, a good song. We used to like me and my friends. We used to have his Sony Walkman phones yeah. with the speaker yeah. to listen to it in the park. Like literally about thirteen or fourteen years old. But yeah, at the time it was just a song. So you've so you've so you've had this this moment in Taylor Park with um with the Swedes. And then, is that, do you then decide, like, I'm going to go home and learn how so, to DJ, or, like, no, what's No, no, it didn't happen like that. So, basically, after that, um, but I started going to clubs. As I said, I went to see Dave Pierce in Dundee, yeah. and I heard Silence. What club was that uh, It was oh, so, London so was that, Night Club. So, was, so was, was Tina Park before So, Tina Park was Pierce. before Dave Pierce. Right. Um, I could have, I might have actually been 14. I don't know, I can't remember exactly, but it was Tina Park, and then after that, I started, I went to Dave Pierce. That was my first proper club night, and it was in London Night Club in Dundee. I heard silence and then it was, when I was 15, 16 I started properly going to clubs um, your fake IDs and whatever but that's what we've done that's what everybody yeah, everyone does, does yeah. um, and then I started going places um, at, rather than just nightclubs I started going to proper events so Colours at the Arches and okay. they were booking Axwell Steve Angelo I was going to the Royal Highland Centre to see all these and that was all still when I was really young and that's what I was mad into and then and they used to run like, like rave buses didn't they from like the yeah exactly like... yeah so um, and then I met some guys that were actually playing at the event um, I ended up getting um, really friendly with them um, they run their own night back here I would always go to the events what was that called? Epic Nights okay yeah, yeah. so I helped them. that was based in our growth so I helped them PR in and stuff. This was before. Um, I was so Epic teaching. was the one with Halliwell that we were talking about. Yeah, before, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I was PR in and stuff for them. I think that that's, would have been the reason that I was um, so in with them. Yeah. And then I went to um, like loads of gigs that they were DJing at in Glasgow and stuff because they were being booked for colours. So it was kind of just like following them around. And then um, they had a little controller that they used to play on. They actually never played on CDJs at the time. Okay. So they used to carry this little Hercules What, even when they were doing uh, Epic Nights and yeah, stuff? Yeah. Wow. Uh, it was only later on because like, I think they started doing these nights and then it just shot up for them and they were still playing on this wee controller. I mean, they were perfectly capable. They Is it just start in Arbroath? Started in Arbroath. So Arbroath. how far is that from Dundee? Arbroath's 25 minutes from Dundee. Okay. And um, it's a lot of a, it's a lot smaller place in Dundee, right? Arbroath's tiny. It's a small fishing town. <laughs> they were, but they used to have. Have you heard of ballets? Yeah. Yeah. So they had some massive nights there, and then that stopped. There was nothing in Arbroath, so they kind of got it going again, uh, booking more Picotto and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, they ended up back at house parties and stuff with them, and I was always playing around on this little controller. I actually still got it in there. I need to show you this tiny little thing. It's what I learned. Yeah. Well, I say learned on, but that's what I started yeah. out on. Started playing that all the time when we were back at house parties, like literally for hours standing on that. Um, the guys, Gary and Scott, they showed me the, the basics on this wee controller. Uh, it was hooked up to tractor. So that's what I learned on. And then after that, um, they gave me my first gig. But it is but so it is it is quite a like a it's a, it is like definitely a defined like route into the industry, which like you maybe weren't like promoting your own night. But yeah. you kind of got friendly with the, some people who were promoting nights, yeah. and you started like that was through PR going in. to buses, yeah, yeah. Like, and and so you kind of on, on these kind of trips, which it still links back to it. So like, and, you know, I'm from a kind of a smaller place, and we used to go to bigger places. Yeah. So like, when you get on these buses or trains or like night trips away, you meet some yeah. like similar like mind people, and then people there's always someone somewhere doing a party. Yeah. So exactly. you kind of got into like 
repping the parties and like PRing for them and flyering for them. Yeah. Then you were back at the after parties. Yes, exactly. Sort of DJing. And it just spirals from there, really. Then yeah. So it's so like, can you? So what point can you remember? So like obviously, if they're using like a little like Hercules controller or something, nothing little about it. If they're using a controller, yeah. You if at an after party you you were using like one of their laptops or something with yeah, the controller. Yeah. So can you remember when you first started to like? get music like we yeah so see for ages before this at school everyone always used to ask me to put uh songs on their ipod this is what i remember so i'd always obviously you had to download all then put them on your ipod it wasn't just as simple as streaming it off your phone yeah so um everybody used to bring in their ipods to school and give me their ipod because i used to download lots of dance music you had the tunes yeah exactly so i used to (laughs) take them from my mum and dad's cds put them on and everybody was like so you you were like so you were ripping your mum and dad's cds CDs onto your laptop and then put them onto people's ipods okay cool so yeah everybody used to come to me um, to put music on their iPods, so like I, I was always known for like a music sort of thing from a young age. Yeah, Obviously. Ben was saying that. Like, I did one with uh, this guy called Ben Rainey in Hull recently, and he was saying like way before he was DJing, he would just be like in the people would be like they'd be having a party, and he'd come. He wasn't DJing; he'd just have his 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 iPhone. Yeah. But everyone would be going, "You play the tunes, Ben. You play yeah, the tunes." Yeah. So yeah, so you're always. Like, I think because you've been brought up with that, it's always in you and it'll always come out at some point. Yeah. Um, people say, oh, what's that song you're listening to? And then, yeah, the whole iPod thing started. So, yeah, that was a bit Which is an tell. interesting, like, part of, like, DJing that I think, like, it's actually a little bit more sort of... I think it's given a little bit more credence these days with people like Jamie Jones and Dennis Sultra. But, like, I feel like for a while, especially through that kind of, like... That, that Swedish House Mafia David Guetta period, like, they were in Avicii, like, they were just playing their records whereas like it's I think it's a forgotten art of like being a selector of like picking music exactly, yeah. picking old stuff picking new stuff mm-hmm. and like I say that's more so now with like you know that kind of like that, that different side of DJs like Dennis Sultra who's you know just known as I mean he's a great entertainer but he's a selector yeah, in, in yeah, many ways so that's cool that really you just sort of almost your your, your DJing journey started before you knew that you uh, wanted to be a DJ yeah, exactly. you, you were just like picking. so I had I had basically a head start because I did have a lot of music knowledge from a young age. Yeah. Um, whereas, like, some people know now, like, I'm listening to these classics and they've never heard them. Yeah. Whereas it's, like, second nature to me, do you yeah. know what I mean? So it's, yeah. You were falling asleep hearing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was getting woken up hearing it. Yeah. Cool. So, 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 so you're doing... So you're doing these kind of like you're, you're repping for like epic nights, and then you end up in an after party somewhere, and you're kind of on the controller. Yeah. And like, is that so? Is that the first time you've ever like touched the Hercules yeah. controller? Is like at the after party. Yeah. Okay. So like they were showing me what to do. It was a mess, really, it was all over the place. <laughs> but you know what? The tunes were good, so people were liking it. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Regardless yeah. if I was mixing Cost, terrible. Yeah. So yeah, they, so they'd um, show me the basics. So after that, I said, I want one of those. Okay. And then. They were moving over to CDJs. Okay. So they sold me theirs. Okay. So I bought that for like 30 quid. Amazing. And then they installed Tractor onto my laptop for me, set it up. And yeah, it went from there. They gave me a wee gig. <laughs> cool. So, so then do you, were you like at home, like practicing those? All the time, every oh, day. Right. But the, so the first, um, the first way while I had it, I was still like, obviously working full time. So I'd remember always getting these ideas into my head at work and then coming straight home from work. And then literally standing for hours 
because I I do all these remixes. It was more like I was mashups I was trying. Yeah. So like I'd made mashups back in the day, but on the decks. Yeah. So yeah, they weren't mastered or anything, but yeah, I used to cool. play them out, just record them straight off the decks, yeah. and that was those type of ideas. That was really in thing as well was making mashups. Yeah. So I'd get a vocal from one track, and then yeah. obviously I drop from another, do that, and then so I was record. I started recording my own mixes. Um, but they were only like thirty minute mixes. I was still really trying to get and trying to get them. But perfect. were they quite quick? Were they like mini mixes with loads of stuff going on? No, they weren't. To, right. They weren't. This was me first starting out trying okay. to learn. So it'd be a thirty minute mix, just still trying to get and every mix perfect. And were you recording it into your into laptop? So yeah. you're doing it live, like on the yeah. controller with Tractor, yeah. and then just like recording it through Tractor on the little record button. Yeah. And then when you press stop, it's like a file on your computer. Yeah. And then I was listening back to it yeah. to see where I'd messed up. Oh yeah. And yeah. then go back again, and it was. And literally, I remember it was the same set, so I'd written down every track from start to finish, yeah. and I was practicing the set, yeah. so I could record it and put it online. So I wanted to get my like my first mix out, but I was making sure it was perfect first. Did you have? So, this you... took me so long. Oh, yeah. yeah. Did you have? <laughs> do you use Mixing Key now? No, I've never used it. So you've never used it. No, so but you... something that um, I'd recently heard of. I'd only heard about it. It was the start of last year, um, and I was quite surprised when I'd heard about it because I think I'd always just mixed a song like I'd never thought about the key of the track and obviously when I started making music as well um, that way but when I'm mixing tracks the key of it's never really come into it like I feel like if I'm playing a certain set that style it's always kind of generally going to flow okay because I wouldn't be all over the place with do you know what I mean? I'm not going to mix house into tracks. But, 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 have, you, have, you, have you ever done anything musical other than DJing? Like, have you ever done... No, played, well, played, at school, like, I played... Drums. Played the recorder for you, know yeah, that was really so, yeah, that was it. That was the only... Yeah. Okay, so you've never, like, learned um, piano or, Some like, keyboard. But, but not yeah, a lot. No. Well, that's really cool. Just, like, the basics can play a couple of old classics. Uh, but, and, and, but so, so, interestingly, do you ever remember, like trying to make a mashup or something and then just going oh god that sounds awful yeah like so it's because it, you must have it you must have it in your in your head like you must know what sounds good yeah to, to not exactly. use to not use mixing so key yeah or something. when i um when i was making the mashups it was just like basically big edm songs that i loved the, the drops at the time with classic acapella it's like yeah. i remember done um, like no thomas and filterhead sunshine yeah that song and then i used the diamond life yeah. acapella and I just remember that, and I've actually still got it. It's mad. Like, it sounds terrible now, but at the time... Like... So can you remember, so what? So that first... So you were trying to get your first half an hour mixed in. Yeah. Um, how many times do you reckon you try to record it? Oh, <laughs> I honestly don't know, but I would say a good maybe 10, 15 times. I remember, like, when I used to, like, even before... Like, before when I remember first doing that was on, like, 12 10s, and then you'd have, like... Um, and you'd have like I'd record it into like a, a, a mini disc I think at the time, and yeah I remember doing exactly what you did. I'd have like a piece of paper with the tracks written <laughs> down. I'd even have like where I had to put the thing like plus whatever yeah. to try and get like to get the VPN. Well, I had the right. minutes like so uh, two minutes thirty seconds yeah. mixing that. Yeah, it's and, then, crazy and, then you'd, now. and then you'd set off and you'd be like 20, 30 minutes into it, and then you just get one mix totally wrong. And you have to, and start, to start again. again. Yeah, <laughs> I know. So then, so then, so then, so you've got this first like mix. Nailed, right? You're happy with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so what did you do with it? So then I put it online. Um, I started... People were loving it. It was so weird. Like, I literally put my first mix online. Did you put it on SoundCloud? And, uh, yeah, SoundCloud. Okay. I've always used SoundCloud. Um, yeah. So I put it on SoundCloud. And, yeah, it got a great reaction. Like, I tagged a load of folk on Facebook. Um, Facebook was really um, peaking at this time. Yeah. So it helped, obviously, a lot. And I tagged loads of people and... 
people were loving it and then people started asking for it on a CD. So I was burning this mix onto a CD. And you weren't selling it, you were just giving it away? No, I was just giving, just it, giving away. it away. But at the time, like, for years, um, I used to get called Coco and it was Coco Cabana Hannah, right? So Why? I don't just... Because the, well, the nightclub, Coco Cabana right. and then Hannah. Okay. So <laughs> people just called me Coco. So then this ended up being my DJ name, DJ Coco. Okay. Right? So it was like... Coco's Mix 2014 or whatever okay. and like I used to write it with a marker on CDs and now these CDs were everywhere people like used to put them on Facebook tag me in the car listening to them and and then after that people was always asking me for CDs cool. so every mix I've done since then it went onto a CD yeah. people used to come to my house pick them up <laughs> I'd go and meet them that's nice. yeah so yeah that's so where does this where does this first mix fit in around Epic nights, and then you get in the first set. Like, how does that? How did it? So basically, they um, they run obviously nights in Arbroath, um, and it was a club called Coast, and then they were doing a pre-party for the event, and the, they'd obviously seen that my mixes were doing well, people were liking it. So have you put out more than one at this point? Yes, yeah, so I put out a couple. It was only in the space of a few months. Okay. So I literally got these decks a few months later. Um, people, people are coming to your house to collect yeah, CDs. Right, exactly, <laughs> um, and then. They had, yeah, they were running that event in our broth and then they were doing a pre-party in a pub called the Westport Bar and um, they'd obviously seen that my CDs were doing well and that and I could probably bring some people. They gave me Classic. a chance. Um, I brought a busload from Dundee in this wee bar. That was my first wee gig with Epic Nights and I took my controller. The guys had to set it up for me, plug it into a channel in the CDJs because I, I didn't have a clue. Um, I knew every track that I was going to play. I think I played for 45 minutes. Okay. And I knew my set, like, from start to finish. My mum was there. Like, most of my family were there. Amazing. All my friends were there. I still remember it. It was mental. And that was the pre-party? That was the pre-party. I okay. played. That was my first ever gig. And then what happened? What was the next gig from there? And then the next af- the next gig after that was Dundee Dancer then. Okay. Okay, so that was a massive jump for me. Okay. Um, and how long before the Dundee Dance event was this, this so first this gig? So this first gig was uh, the 24th of March. Okay. Right, and Dundee Dance event was around, it's always the first bank holiday Sunday in May. Okay. So probably around the 5th of May Okay, so, like about, so about six weeks later or something, a couple yeah. of months later. So and and who approached you? Was it like, was it the same guys, the Epic So it was the same guys that got me involved. So okay. they said like, like, Dundee Dance Event allows... It's basically a platform for local DJs. Yeah. Um, it's a really good event. Yeah, so there's like 18 bars in town involved. I think back then there was probably only about 10. Yeah. But this year there was 18. So there's 10 bars and um, they have DJs on all day. It's a free event. There's one big after party. Yeah. So they said, right, we could probably get you a reset of DJs. Like, right. So then the next challenge was, it's like house, whereas my last set was like proper... Okay. So why why did you have to play house? So like I said, it's just a house event. It's okay. a bar, okay. bar, more bar vibes, okay. groovy, and which is a really important thing to talk about though. The fact that you had that um, sort of intuition or that knowledge to know that it was different because yeah. some people would have just turned up, yeah. and banged out. So well, saying that at the pre-party, it would usually be warm-up stuff, but they'd said to me like, "Just do you like all your friends are coming? Yeah. Like you can play you, don't play a warm-up." Okay. So I was all. Like, they told me to do that, so I've, I've done that. But, yeah, so, and then, so that, obviously, I was really worried about that because I, mean, I had to go and learn a new set. Okay. <laughs> so that's what I was doing for the next six weeks was learning this new set. Um, but, yeah, I really, and I think that um, playing that different styled set, um, 
And was I, it a little bit longer or was it the same sort of time? Um, no, it was the same sort of time. Okay. I, said, I don't think I was that confident to play any longer just yet. Okay. But then this is where um, it really helped me. So I went into my mum and dad's old stuff. House stuff. I was um, I had some knowledge of like current house stuff and then older house stuff. So that's basically what I played. Okay. And Dundee Dance Event, it's young. It's got um, older DJs, younger DJs. Yeah. So the crowd there was um, mixed. mixed. Yeah. So when I played this set, I played a mixture of current and classics, and then that really got me a name in Dundee. So like, there's so many people there from Dundee. And I think that a lot of the older crowd were um, surprised that I actually knew these tracks. Yeah. That wasn't just, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, just coming in, playing a couple of tracks that are in the top ten. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, that really got me um, a good was, was name. Your, was your mum there again? Yeah, mum's there, dad was there. Quality. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that got me a really good start-off point. Okay. Um, obviously, my first gig was Abro, then my second gig was Dundee yeah. in my hometown. So then what, was, so, what sort of went on? What happened from there? So then after that, I was getting... I think I was getting small pub gigs here and there in Dundee. And then I started like putting on my own events okay. in a pub. Okay. Um, it's called... It's a, it's a pub called... I'm not even going to call it a bar because it's a pub. It's a pub um, in a scheme in Dundee in Minas Hill called The Bayview. Okay. It was sort of an old man's pub. And then, but I had um, a load of young people that they used to drink there now and again. Like that was kind of the local, okay. still an old man's pub. And um, I knew the guy that worked in there, and I said, um, "Like, can I, can I just DJ in there?" <laughs> and he was like, "Yeah, if you want." So I, I started. Um, so what night was this on? So this was like on a Friday night or yeah. something, and it was like called Coco's House Party or nice. something like That's that. Awesome. And then, so I, I started doing, um, I ordered a load of wristbands off eBay, I remember this. And they had like, I had this wee Coco logo and I got them printed on it. So I was like, and then I was selling wristbands for like £3 each. Amazing. And then I sold out the Bayview and it was like 140 capacity or Amazing. something. Um, so I started doing these wee nights like every uh, couple of months. But these nights at the Bayview were huge. There was people queuing out at the door, because if the response was... It, so was how did it work? Was it just you all night? Or was um, it like it was, you and... It was me and then like one or two other DJs. Okay. Um, friends, basically. And was it like the more housey stuff from, from that, the, the so, Dundee dance event? Or was it, it the was more a, like... A mixture of, it was a mixture of stuff. Okay. Again, I was making these mashups with like house... Vocals, vocals on top of then, current yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. So it had, still had quite heavy drops and stuff. But yeah, I think we scared the old men out of the pub. So, um, we sat that's amazing, that, though. Like, yeah. I, I've always said that. I mean, it's something I did, but and it's, you know, it's a common theme in this podcast. But it's something I've always said, which is like, if you want gigs, just start your own. Yeah, like, go so that's what I said. I was like, um, the guy said that like, he loved what I was doing and stuff. I said, well, will you let us DJ in your pub? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And I was like, well, do you know what? Like, we can actually make a thing of this. I think that's why it's. Like, instead of just saying, right, you'll DJ that, I said, right, we'll make a thing of it. I got artwork made. I think Coco's House Party sounds good. <laughs> it's great. I got artwork made. And then I actually done a summer party there. So it was like an... Because they've got a beer garden. Okay. Just, and then... So, it sounds like the sort of thing that's about to get shut down by the police. Yeah. So <laughs> in the middle of a scheme, and then we got a party. What does that mean? A scheme. It's like... Um, council, like a, housing, a council estate. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but it's yeah, a, yeah. Scottish, a housing estate. A housing yeah. estate. Scottish people would say a scheme. Right, okay. Right, so... Um, and then we had a, I got, I was, I had a barbecue and a paddling pool. Amazing. <laughs> Bought a big paddling pool from 
Argos. It sounds class. And then we had we actually had the deck set up inside, but the doors open. Yeah. So people were inside and outside, and it went on. Started at twelve in the afternoon, and it finished at twelve at night. Amazing. And I got and I and I got all the DJs to come play for it. So this got me like speaking to people on that. Yeah. Um, and networking. So you got yeah, your networking because exactly. you've so, got your own party on. You're yeah. asking other DJs. People are coming aware of you. Yeah. Yeah. So there was like. Uh, Coco's all day summer party or some name Have you like that. Have like yeah. the flyers and posters from Yeah, I do. Do you want to see them? Yeah, I'll, I'll show you after. Stack them right? up on your walls. I, well, I did, but all I right. took them down when I got all this done. All right. Um, I had to, like, I've got my poster from my first gig and it's all, like, Coco. Then I've got the ones from my own events. I'll need to show you. Um, because, yeah, I keep all that stuff. Of course. But, yeah, so, like, from then, like, it was something, like, I was still, like, I was 18 at the time. Yeah. So I was still young and everybody was loving this stuff that it was doing there was not really anything else happening like this here um, there was a couple of guys doing stuff and that but they were older so again I was able to tra- attract a young crowd and our day it was building up a following from my CDs Yeah. so yeah that's kind of how it happened were you uh, putting out know. kind of Coco's house party CDs no like, it was just Coco's just, mix just Coco's. Coco's summer mix Coco June 2014 <laughs> or whatever just stuff like that cool. um, but yeah there was lots at this point then are you still so at this point, have you talked about making the kind of the making the mashups live, right? Yeah. Have you got to the point where you're making the mashups live at home, recording them, and then playing that version of the mash out mashup out as a solid uh, track? Yeah. So so you're now kind of like you're now without knowing it getting into production. Yeah, which, exactly. Which is kind of making live mashups, I guess, like at home or you know, mm-hmm. and then but recording them, yeah, and then using that file to play out mm-hmm. live. So when did? Um, I'm aware that we're jumping ahead here, perhaps, but we'll come back. When when were you aware that like when did production even enter your mind? Like when did like like ages later? Right. Okay. When I first started out DJing, I was a DJ. Yeah. And I liked listening to music, and I liked playing music out to people. Yeah. Um. That's cool. We'll move on to the production stuff later. I just wanted because yeah. okay, I'll cause, get in. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, and I'll come back to that because yeah, it was just but interesting. It was not in my mind no. at all. But it's interesting that. Because it, it wasn't at that point in my in my life either, but it's just interesting that you were already kind of being creative yeah. without kind of opening up a, a door or exactly. You know, or yeah. So you're already doing that. Sort As of I stuff. said, the mashups I was making, like, I'd actually put them on SoundCloud and stuff. Um, for, but yeah, they weren't mass or anything. When I listened to them now, I'm like, whoa. Oh, yeah, but, but yeah, at the time it was great and it oh, worked. Good. So yeah. And and there's something nice about raw stuff like that. Yeah. Um. So then so then what's what's happening from what's the next sort of step like you put on your own events you put on out your cds what's the next step dj wise what okay, happens so to coco i was I, i'm a dental nurse i still am i, I do that part-time now but i still full-time dental nurse so so, you, so when you sort of left education you you sort of went into that yeah um, and, and then, then the dj and stuff is on like yeah. weekends and evenings yeah so i um sorry what did you ask you? So, so what was the next step oh, yeah, so, 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 so the coco yeah, like house party so, and all day sessions are going super well yeah um, obviously, you'd be loads more people in in Dundee, and probably even further afield, yeah. becoming aware of you. What were the next few steps for you as a DJ? So then um, I started learning how to play CDJs. Okay, so why why? Well, I think most places I was going, I was taking this controller and laptop, yeah, and it was just a pain. And I seen, I thought people would kind of saw me as a like like a bit of a joke when I was walking in with this little controller and laptop and everyone else, I was shuffling people over to set it up, laptop was crashing and everyone else was playing these and I'm going, right, hold on a minute, I'm going to need to do this. And I mean, uh, yeah, I was was so scared to um, 
play out on them for the first time. But so, how did you go about learning them? Because I said this to PBH, like I've never owned CDJs, yeah, but only because I was I still own turntables, yeah, but only because I was lucky in the sense that when I was going out playing on vinyl. Mm-hmm. The CDJ started to appear. So then I was like, God, I'm never touching those. But then I was yeah. like, all right, I'll take a couple of CDs and I'll mix from the vinyl so like into opposites. the CDJs. Yeah, yeah. So, so I learned just because they started to appear in, yeah. CD, in DJ booths. But a lot of people, like I've got loads of mates who had to scrimp and scave or take out credit to get them. Yeah. Otherwise, you're never going to so touch them. Yeah. So how did you like? So, how did you even get to practice? So I borrowed um, a guy called Derek that um, I used to know from going to gigs as well. He was a DJ and he had a set of CDJs. I think they were 800. 800 yeah. Uh, didn't take USB, it was just CD. Yeah. So I burned some CDs and he gave me a shot of them and he actually come round to my house and he said, right, this is what you do. <laughs> and um, he showed me, he came round once and then showed me what I should be doing and then I just practised. So did you, and did you find it easy? No, or I did found you it find really it? difficult because yeah. when I was on the, when I was using the Wii controller, it was just syncing it. Yeah. So like it was, it was yeah it was just easy. Do you know what I mean? Like I'd still, you still had to. To be honest, when you were syncing it, it was on those on those I can't remember on those CDJs. The first ones you had, did it show you the BPM of yeah. the records? Right. Okay. Yeah, it, it showed show you. you. So basically, yeah. So you were syncing it. You were do- tracks. I was doing it. Yeah. Um, I still obviously had to learn the complete basics, which I had no clue about before. But. Um, and then it would still swap out of time and stuff, so you would use the tiny little miniature jog wheels to try and... So I, st- I had an idea of it that way, but yeah. going from that to these with, like, no waveform... Yeah. Um, I'm I know. in there because... <laughs> that's what it used to be. To be. <laughs> yeah. So I used to stand there for hours, and, yeah, the no waveform thing, that was hard, so you also had to listen for when you were going to bring it in, yeah. when it was going to come out, start learning phrases and... Because that was yeah. before, that was way before. So now on, like, so a lot of people listening will understand, but for anyone that doesn't understand, on new CDJs, you get the big, nice waveform exactly. on 2000 Nexuses and stuff. Yeah. Whether you're playing on CD, Tractor, or USB, or SD card, you get a nice big fat yeah. waveform. But on those early 800s, yeah. you, you either got nothing of the most horrendous little yeah. like line thing. And it was like track one, track two, yeah. the name oh, of the yeah. track. So, yeah. I think there was that was like pre record box and stuff, yeah. so you didn't even have the name. Yeah. <laughs> So like, I had, oh say there was 10 tracks on a CD, I had written them down. Yeah. And then obviously I'd kept them. But um, to be honest with you, the like the newer CDJs and stuff wore out at the time. Yeah. But this is just oh, what super he, expensive, yeah. Yeah, this is what he had. And um, he said to me, I, like I'll always remember, he said... I would be really upset with anyone who just started DJing you know, on Nexus 2000. Yeah. <laughs> so he said to me, he said, you better learn on these anyway. Yeah. And I'll always remember that, and I thought, yeah. thank God I did. <laughs> but it's the same. It's the same thing. Like what used to be, what I had first all was like belt drive decks. Yeah, and, and like that was always a thing. It was like if you can, if you can do it on belt drive decks, as soon as you get onto on Technics, you'll be fine. Yeah. So it's like it's it, although it feels horrendous when you're that person on the end of that advice. It is still to this day good advice. If you you know if you can DJ yeah. on the worst available equipment, then when yeah. you get the best equipment, well, it kind of made me go backwards okay so i was going into these gigs and we control i was getting more confident on it and then i was obviously i didn't really like what was happening there so then i started doing that and then i basically like i had my first gig all over again on CDJs. so can you remember can you remember your first gig with yeah CDJs? so it was in the same bar that i um dj that dundee dance event okay and um i actually had like this guy there beside me okay for moral support, um, so I was able to use USBs on these ones. It was two thousands, but it wasn't the Nexus. Yeah. So again, didn't have the waveform. 
But um, the other thing that's different for a lot of people, again, who are listening, like, it's not just that you're getting these two CDJs either side of you. You've now got a different mixer in the middle of them, exactly. or, or it could be a different mixer from from time to time, from gig to gig to gig. Yeah. So when you've been used to having exactly the same thing in front of you, yeah. then suddenly, all right, you might get used to, um, and I still struggle with this, you might get used to um, the 900s that you had, right? Or the 800s, sorry, as, as the CDJs. But one gig might be a, a Pioneer DJ mixer, then you might turn up for the be a Zone mixer, then you might turn up for the be an Allen Heat or whatever. So it's like, there is a lot of variables that people uh-huh. don't, I don't, don't I mean, realize. and there used to be that big fucking, I used to DJ on, oh, I still do DJ on Pioneer mixers all the time, but there was that, I don't know if you ever used it, there was like, I think it was called like a Pioneer, it was like a 1000 mixer or something, it was massive, it had four channels on it and oh, like, no, a huge event, and I yeah. hated it. I've, and, and, I've played and, on that every night, I still don't like oh, it. I hate it, and I know yeah. people that love it, and it was like, who used to have it, I'm sure it was like Thompson's. I'm sure Cam Cox used it. But, oh, but I hated it, and the filters were different, and yeah, the other knobs were in different positions. Yeah, so it's so it's it's not just it's not just the CDJs like the mixer can be different. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, I start, started um, obviously learning. So it's almost like you whole first new gig again. Yeah, because and I was so nervous. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I started to, like he was there and yeah, we messed up a few times in that, but he helped me along the way. Um, and yeah, I didn't. I was still I was playing out gigs and I still wasn't. Was that the fuck? Can you remember? Was that was that literally just a following year from the first from the first date like the? No, that that was just, that was the same year. Oh, no, I mean, sorry, because sorry, you did your first gig at Dundee... Dance event, and the I... The controller. The, the, yeah, so the, I played in the same pub on it, CDG, but it, was but it wasn't the, at but, DD. But it was the following... Oh, it wasn't DD. It wasn't DD. Ah, right, okay. So they just had DJs in on a Saturday night. Okay, okay. So, um, obviously, I knew the, the guy because I'd played it on the dance event, so okay. he said I can come back and play. So this was only a few months later. This was all in the same year. So, you, so you're moving quite quickly with, Yeah, with so stuff. things happened very, very quickly for okay. me. Okay. So that was obviously... Um, Getting onto CGS and then so I started using in March and then I got a gig at Colors Fest. So, how okay, so yeah. how the hook did you get yeah. the gig at Colors Fest? Right, so I'd been on these CDJs doing my mixes, my phone yeah. was going great, yeah. Um, Epic Nights were involved, yeah. and then the guy was looking for some more people. And Epic was doing an Epic at the time, correct me if I'm wrong here, used to be quite involved with like Ricky and the yeah, so they, they, they would run buses. Yeah, so it was like them that. initial events I was going to with them before I started playing. Yeah. It was all the college events. So the the guy had said, Ricky said to them, Oh, we're looking for more DJs, but they need a following. Mm-hmm. We need them to bring people. And they were like, we, I, we know just the first uh, Yeah, and like, I, and I, see, being honest with you, I still was, <coughs> I was not great. Like, I was able to play a set in that. I was still messing up quite a lot, but people were loving it because I was playing decent tunes. Yeah. Um, I had my wee following from a CDs. People were not caring about my mixing at this time. Yeah. They were just caring about these tunes. Um, so he, they said, like, do you want to play Colours Fest? Now, I've been going to Colours Fest, like, for the last two years. Yeah. And I thought, oh... It's Colours Fest at Brayhead. Brayhead Arena. Yeah. So, yeah, they've obviously got different arenas. They've got lo- yeah. local arena. It was a small tent, but I knew for a fact that... Uh, I could get a lot of people to come so I had to run a bus and sell tickets so I run a bus and I sold tickets and I sold something like 90 odd tickets amazing and I ran two buses so did you know before you started telling tickets to the bus did you know what arena you were going to be in yeah I would be in the local arena okay yeah Okay. so it was the same arena as in Epic Nights okay it's like a, a small tent really but I knew um that it was going to be good because all my friends and stuff like we, everyone already went to Colours Fest yeah. so all I had to say was get your ticket and from, me. from me right so <laughs> it was a lot of work because I was just constantly meeting people people were pulling out the bus and that 
So yeah, I I done it. It was stressful, but that was the first. Bus. And were you were you on one of the buses? Yeah, I was on the bus. So it was that was crazy. And everyone, there was this. What thing, time did you play? Um, I played. I think it was four. No. Five o'clock and it started at four or something. Okay, so, so went really early. Went, yeah. But as discussed before when you picked me up, that's a great time to play because then you've got yeah. the rest of the night to enjoy. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. Um, and then, so that happened, all my friends were buzzing and there was this thing going around at the time and it was like, Coco made me do it. So everyone got these T-shirts. There was already a T-shirt. It was Coco made me do well, what, what, what? So this was nothing it was like to do a with. Brand. So it was no, nothing to do with. No, it was a brand. You, yeah, but it People had worked bags. really well with. Yeah, right. Okay. People had these bags, T-shirts, and all that. So then everyone bought these. T-shirts. So at this point, were you on the flyer for Coastfesters as Coco? Yeah, I was on the flyer like Coco. As Coco. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was on the flyer as Coco, tiny at the bottom. Local Still on there. And I was so happy about my name being on this flyer. Um, and the amount of support and stuff I was getting on social media was amazing as I said because I'd already kind of built up this following so yeah everything just kind of follows on so did you meet like Ricky or Julia or anything no, like, no. no. Okay. just said right well she can tell to get she can play yeah. sadly that's how it worked but it worked in my favour so oh. I didn't mind doing it like I did not what, care what loads of you mates wearing these t-shirts it's yeah like, okay. made me do it so we all we are all at this uh, in this arena like the, when we got there it was dead but my bus is filled this tent I was hammered my set time the, like I'm on this tent I'm on this tent I'm on this tent so your tent was rammed because all your mates rammed yeah. the whole set it was rammed and that's the best way to get attention yeah so people were loving it and uh, obviously callers were loving it because I was selling all these tickets yeah and that's basically how I got my foot in the door with it and I honestly it didn't phase me one bit like I know there's a lot of um there's a lot of conflict between... Bullshit politics. Yeah, about the tickets and you sell tickets to play events and that. I, I was 18 years old. All my mates were going to this event. I was not seeing... I just, I, just I was loving it. I didn't care. It's the same way that like I feel about the whole like tractor serato USB vinyl. Yeah. Like I'm kind of like, I don't give a fuck. Everyone's got a different angle. Everyone does things differently. At the end of the day, we're all there for the same reason. Yeah. And I'm the same with like... I'm the same with the, the kid who's just never left his house and made records and got gigs. I'm the same with the kid who's like sold tickets and got gigs. Yeah. I'm the same with the kid who started his own party and got gigs. To be fair, I'm the same as like the person who's a little brother, like Antoine, who's got his yeah. big brother. Like, I don't care really, like, because ultimately, you know, I still sort of believe that like the cream will rise to the top. And however you get your break or however you get in there in the first place, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. And I don't think there's any... I'm certainly not taking anything away from you or anyone else who's got their gig because they sold 150 tickets. Yeah. Not, no more am I taking it away from the kid who's never left his bedroom, yeah. made a record and, and has got a gig. Like, we're all we all there because we want to have a good time at yeah. the party. So. Like, I wanted to DJ. Like, this was only yeah. ever a hobby at this point. And, and to be fair, it wasn't like you were bringing up Ricky McGowan going, I'll sell you 300 no. tickets if I can DJ. No. Someone's just going... He was looking for someone in my yeah, area. Like, yeah. The Epic Knights had the Arbro flop. Yeah. They had their bus from there. I had my bus from Dundee. Yeah. We weren't stepping on each other's toes. They helped me. So And, and, yeah. and without jumping too far forward, although I'm, you know, imagine if you listen to this, you know a little bit about Hannah, but like, obviously Hannah's doing super well now for colours and things and doing bigger yeah. sets. But there's also been plenty of other people on that very first little local thing who aren't doing what you're doing now. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And that's what I meant before about, like, the cream will rise to the top. Like, yeah, you might get your break for something, but if you don't then deliver... Yeah, you don't work hard. It still, well, it's doesn't, not it still doesn't happen. So, okay, yeah. so you've you've done really... You're on Colours Fest. Yeah, so um, quick. What happens after that? So, um, after Colours Fest, yes, I started getting 
quite a lot of uh, wee gigs here and there and then I thought Is that more around like Dundee? Yeah, or, just right. um, around Dundee Are you still doing the Coco's like yeah. house party um, stuff as no, well? No, so this was so College Fest was I think it was in June at the time Yeah and then I thought and then I really enjoyed Colour Fest and I'd been to Ibiza the year before so I thought um, I might quit my job and go to Ibiza so that was in June and I went to Ibiza in July Okay and I quit my job as an entrepreneur and my family supported me Okay They said I said, I'm going to go and do a season in Ibiza. I'm booking a one-way flight. Like, I was 18. And Amazing. I'm just going to meet some random people that I'd met online, like workers, shared apartment. Yeah. And um, I just, I left my job. And I said my aim was to, like, work in a bar, meet some people, maybe DJing. So what happened in Ibiza? So I went to Ibiza. Did you go, how early in the season did you go? I went in July. So that's like that's that's late. That's late. Yeah. yeah. So I went to start of July. So all the people that I was arranged to share an apartment with, I'd already I'd paid the first month's rent. So this was already kind of crossing my mind before Colors Fest, but I wanted to play Colors Fest. Okay. And then I had some gigs here before, so I thought I'll do these gigs and yeah. then I'll go. So I paid my first month's rent, but I wasn't there. Okay. Because I needed the space in the apartment. It was just a group of English people that yeah. I met on the workers' page. Yeah. So I went to Ibiza, no job, nothing, some money, and then. Yeah, I literally had no friends and everyone had had friends because they'd been there the since like May um, and then I had no Wi-Fi or nothing in my apartment so I used to go to the Highlander every day Scottish bar Yeah, Scottish people I felt at home used their Wi-Fi every day sitting downloading tunes Yeah, um, speaking to my friends so did you have a FaceTime? job? no so this was like for the first few weeks did you try and get a job? Um, not really I was quite nervous um, like yeah so like I um, message message places and stuff like that but yeah, no, I think this was week number two, and I got really chatty to the uh, the bar women in Highlander, um, and like I said, oh, like um, and I'd made a DJ CV. Okay. <laughs> so it was like what it was basically just all about Colors Fest because that's like the coolest thing I'd done, and I had photos of like my, my tent being Colors, rammed, yeah, like how old I was, where I was from, like just I don't even. Have you know still why got it? Made it. I'll be on the computer somewhere. Um, so, and I and I said, because she was asking me, like, she was really friendly, she was working on the bar, I was there every day, I was eating food there, so we were, like, speaking every day, and, like, I'd said that I was a DJ and that, and she was like, oh, you're looking to DJ over here, and I was like, that's a bit out of my depth, but, like, I've made this anyway, like, and she, I was showing her on the laptop, hadn't printed it out at the time, she was like, go print that out at the internet cafe, so I, I would go around to the internet cafe and I print it out, she's like, I'll just keep a hold of that, she's like, we've got our DJs in the Highlander for the summer, but I'll just keep a hold of this, so I goes home that same night, and then... I get um, a phone call from this Irish lady. She's like, hi, like, I'm the owner of the Highlander. Could you come down and see me? And I was like, oh my. I thought she was going to be offered us like, a bar job. Goes in, she's like, we're desperately needing a DJ tonight upstairs. Like, upstairs isn't open yet. It'll open in a few weeks, just terms. We need a DJ because we've got a hen party in. And we've not got a DJ. I said, like, right then, I'll do it. So she said, do you want to come up? Like, um, like just have a mess around during the day, get a feel for it. And that. I was like, yeah, like I was so nervous because like I'd had a couple of gigs back home and now I've got a gig in Ibiza in the Highlander and the Highlander is like one of the busiest bars in the yeah. West End. Yeah. So this, um, so I got given a song like for a stripper that was going to come in <laughs> and I had to play this song off a CD and then it was, and then my next thought was how am I going to mix this song into my song and so I was messing around all day. And oh, was it like CDJs and stuff? It was CDJs, yeah. um, 900 Nexus, so I had the waveform and that I felt... This is great. Yeah. It was an Alan Heath mixer, which I'd never used. Yeah. But the resident there, he came along later in the day. and he Who was, was like, that? 
Andy Rayside. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, so he'd come in and he's like, oh, I'll help you. He was Scottish as well, and it made me feel yeah, better. Yeah, really he Yeah, so um, I played for the hen party that night, and I was only supposed to play for two hours, and then they said, just keep playing, and I played for, like, five hours, and that's the longest I've ever played. Amazing. And never played, like, longer than, like, an hour. So then what happened? Did you then start playing So then they said, right, we've actually, like, Andy's only wanting to do four nights a week. Do you want to do the other three nights a week upstairs? Amazing. And I went... This can't be happening. And then at the end of it, um, the guy came up um, and he handed me some money. And I was like, what's that for? He's like, well, you played all night. And I, I'd i never been paid for DJing before. So I was like, oh, wow. Like, I've just been paid to so do you weren't, that. So you weren't getting paid for your gigs in no, Dundee? No, no, were you, no. Were you making a bit of money out of doing the, um, the Coco's, like, parties well, Yeah, stuff? so, like, I would sell all the, um, the wristbands for a couple of them each. I'd make money doing that. Okay, but, but you've never, never really been actually... So no, paid for it. No. Even at this Colours Fest gig, that was just yeah. That everything, all the pubs that I was playing in, like everything was I was playing for free. So that was the first time I'd been paid for a gig. Was like obviously I was meant to play for the hen party for two hours, and then I ended up playing all night. And then he said like, so like, this was the guy from the Highlander. So this was like, there was, can you remember what you got paid? Cool. It was like um, eighty euros or something. Class. Yeah. So that was that was really good. And then when they offered me the residency. Um, they so said, three nights a week. Three nights a week. Um, for how long each night? Eleven to five. 11 at night till, till 5, five in, the in the morning, so six hours at yeah. night. Is that right? Yeah. So this <laughs> and how is, much were they going to pay you? So it was, you got between 80 and 120 euro, depending on how busy it was. And okay. most nights you would get 100 euro because it was always busy. Okay. Some nights it was really busy, you'd get 120. But on the West End, everywhere else it was 50 or 60 euro, no matter what. Okay. So I landed so lucky. I did not need to get another job. I, three nights a week, you're on kind of 300 night, euros a week. Three nights a week, and yeah. And that that was fine. Like it was honestly, I'd landed like a so so lucky because all my friends that I'd met, like they were working six nights a week and getting the same as me yeah. on a bar. Do you know what I mean? So so, and were you going out? Were you going out clubbing a lot with them? So then I met a lot of people on the Highlander. As soon as I started DJing there, I was just mates with all the Scottish people. It was great. All my friends were coming over from back home DJing to them. But then I started going to clubs. Like all my days off and all that. Okay. Meeting loads of people. But you weren't rep- you weren't repping for the clubs or anything like that. You weren't selling tickets. You weren't no, doing nothing. Anything else because Just you had DJ. that money from yeah. Ireland there. So my like obviously my initial um, thought when going out there, I thought I'll just work on a bar. But I landed this. I thought, and honestly, like, I still remember like being like, how has this happened? Like I went over to Ibiza to do a season to work to go out clubbing to meet people and what arrested. But it's also great. Like we touched on it with. Um, <laughs> In the James Hype podcast, but like it's really great because you're now getting basically paid to practice for six hours exactly. a night, so three nights a week. I really learned how to DJ. <laughs> of course, this is how I learned to DJ because, as I said, I still wasn't great. Like I hadn't been, I'd been DJing for about six months. Yeah, and then I was I had a residency and everything. So yeah, like Andy Race, I like I was showing him, and like I'd had all this house stuff and. Um, like so you must have learned a lot, just not even technically, you must have learned a lot of music out there as well, like picking yeah, up exactly. Andy and different people. Uh, yeah, what also was getting played in other places in the West uh-huh. End, yeah. what's getting played in like St. Anne or maybe for town. Although or... uh, the West End was a lot more commercial, like the Highlander downstairs was the commercial part it had. Because Hush was still open then, right? Yeah, Hush was yeah. still open. That was the only place on the West End that really had underground music, yeah, apart from upstairs in the Highlander. Yeah. So, um, and it, I wouldn't really say it was underground upstairs, it was more like... Um, yeah, was Deep House, MK and all that killer. stuff yeah, yeah. Just, so I was loving all that not the Venga Boys yeah, <laughs> I was playing all that and yeah it was working really well and um, I started going out clubbing and stuff getting a few wee gigs on the West End and I started playing like loads of venues on the West End cool. Hush 
Um, yeah, Hush is wicked. It's closed yeah. now, isn't it? Like, yeah, I, it's closed. I, I it's did, moved to a new venue, but has it? Because yeah. I did, I did Hush a few times yeah. like years ago. Hush was class. I was at a good time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's how that my first season went. So, um, what? How long? Like, what time in the, what time? How long did you stay up right out until like the end stayed of September? Until, until you went... well upstairs and stayed up until upstairs closed, and that was the end of August. Okay. So it was like two months. Okay, cool. Two full months just. But yeah, but two full months in every. Yeah, I know. I know. So how. Then what did you do when you came back? Did you. And then when I came back. So you did. And you obviously came back. And I've. You know, when I got off the train here, it was raining. I think most times I've ever come to Dundee, it was raining. Yeah. So there must be a shock getting back to Dundee on the 1st of September. Yeah, with no job, no money, nothing. And I was like. (laughs) And then. But then things. Because um, at the time, like DJ and Abifa, um, I was so young. Like when I came back, everyone was wanting me to play at their events. Yeah. So when I got back, I was getting all these I bookings. I beat this Coco. Yeah, yeah, this was it. <laughs> and also, like, everyone had seen you out there. Everyone had gone on yeah, holiday there and seen you. Yeah. And like, so when I come back, it awesome. was like people were like wanting to book me in clubs, and I would never really played in clubs. It was just you'd done I the bars the pubs, and the pubs and then and fest, upstairs at the, yeah. And then and then it was like club, and I thought, like, oh, this is great. So I got my first gig in a club in Dundee, Fat Sam's. Yeah. Level two, and then when my friends came there, and then I managed like within a few weeks of being back, I just got a job again being a dental nurse. Okay, and, at I the said, same place? I, I, no, not a different place. <laughs> but like I was still a trainee at this point, like I was still a trainee dental nurse. I hadn't done, um, but I, I managed because I'd had some experience. I managed to get a job quite easily. Hannah's got very good teeth, by the way. For anyone, <laughs> for anyone that can't see on the phone. <laughs> um, and I got, yeah. Do you I got, get like free so... stuff when you work as dental nurse? Yeah, I'm a bit obsessed with my teeth now. <laughs> Um, but I said, um, like I hadn't said to them, like I'm planning on doing another season in Ibiza next year. But so I just went into another job, knowing in my head that I was going to quit again. And, uh, and has, had that been sort of said when you left the Highlander, like if you want to come back next year, yeah, you so, can. So like yeah, you're going home, going yeah. doesn't matter what happens because I'm coming back yeah, to fucking they, Ibiza next May. Yeah, so they said <laughs> they basically said to me like we do a reunion party in October, like this. I'd left in August. Do you want to play? It's in Glasgow. It's at the O2 Academy. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. Let me think about it, yes. <laughs> yeah. So um, that was definitely, they wanted me back for to be resident next year because it went really well. Um, and like I was going to be doing it again with Andy. So we just obviously split the residency upstairs. Um, I got back. I was doing my dental nursing again full time. I was DJing everywhere. I started getting gigs, not in, only in Dundee, and still, Glasgow. But still at this point, production's not on your radar. Production radio. was never. This was still in my first year. Cool. So that's fine. It's not yeah, like a test yeah. or anything. It's just, no, no. It's just to try and work production out where things was, happen. Yeah. Production. <coughs> it wasn't on my so radar. It's so weird because, like, it's only really when I started getting into it, like, I'd thought about like, when I was just playing tracks out. I just wanted to play everyone else's yeah, tunes. Yeah, yeah. And it was great, and I was loving it. So, and you said, are you, so had you? Were you more on the colours thing then when you got yeah. back? Were so you when doing I got, more and more stuff. For, yeah. So what any gig, but like a lot of gigs I was still playing. Like, I was selling tickets for. So. But you're getting paid now, right? Like these well, gigs when you've come back from Ibiza, you're doing a club in really, Dundee. No. Okay. To be honest with you, like I'd get, been getting paid in Ibiza, and I was like, great. And then when I was getting back, they still weren't paid. Okay. But like some pe- some people paid me. Because I think it's important, especially like, and some of the point of this podcast is hopefully that some people are listening who, you know, want to become DJs mm-hmm. or just get into it. And I do think it's an important point to, to note that like. You don't just go from your bedroom to five hundred pound a night. No, you definitely <laughs> you know what I mean? don't. And, and, and I think there's and there's, but, but like as you're pointing out there, and I was talking to someone about this the other day. Like I still think there's a really important mix. And at this point, you're talking about specifically in that 
There's some gigs that you do that you're getting paid for, right? Because that's yeah. just how it works and some people pay you. But there's also some gigs that you don't get paid for. And th- at that point in your career, I think it's important to take them all. Because yeah. no one in front of you knows you're getting paid or not no. or how much you're getting paid. Yeah. So, to be honest with you, the money thing still wasn't an option. Like, what? Well, no, it wasn't... Um, the driving factor yeah. yeah so it was still my hobby do you know what I mean yeah. like yeah I got paid in Ibiza but I kind of needed that to live because yeah. I wasn't doing my dental nursing when I got yeah. back here I was doing my dental nursing I wasn't caring yeah. I was taking gigs like left right and centre and you're still building your profile yeah most of the gigs learning. I was playing I was still selling tickets for yeah like any event that I played at people would hand me tickets and it was just a norm and I <laughs> and I like I, I wanted to help out I wanted the event to do to be well. busy cause, yeah because yeah, that's the yeah. it's the classic DJ thing is like I mean, I was good on, on like Monday going to work. I thought it was going to be quiet. It turned out it was really good. But it's like, oh, I want the club to be busy. Yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, so I'll help as much as yeah, I can. Yeah, so it's like if whatever yeah. I can do and to I, get I, people I was actually in. doing PR in as well. I was putting up posters around course. the town. Yeah. Um, and it, like, it started, like, I remember, um, like, it was only about two months ago, I was sitting in my friend's house and he was going through all our old messages, like, from when we'd first started DJing. And I'd, and I'd sent a message to him and I'd said to him, He's, he was like, oh, I'm stressed. I'm selling tickets for two events now. And I said, I'm selling tickets right now for 12 events. <laughs> and it was this was just a couple of months ago and I got reminded. I thought, I cannot actually... And I used to remember I used to have an envelope for this event, an envelope for that event, that and 12 different events. I was selling tickets for one time. And I remember like how actually hard it was. Like It's hard work because you're constantly chasing people... People are wanting them. They're not wanting them. You're dropping them off. They want four. Like, they want three. Yeah, or they want seven. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's it. And then you're spending the money, the ticket money along the way, and you're going to put it back in <laughs> when the event, when the event comes along. And that it happens. Do you know what I mean? So like when by the time the event comes, I'm like, right, wait, I've spent like fifty quid that money. I'll need to put that back in now. It's just all these things happened along the way. Yeah. Um, and yeah, for ages, sell tickets, and that's the way. It Still cocoa at this point. Still cocoa. So then. When does Coco, Coco become Hannah Lane? Um, the next year in Ibiza. Okay, so so because I don't want to like I don't want to skip over anything. Yeah. But nor do I feel the need to like discuss every single gig yeah, you've done yeah, yeah. you ever did. So you've come back from Ibiza. You're under the impression you're going back the next season. Yeah. You do the um, the reunion event. Yeah. The O2. That's the biggest gig I've ever done. So did you like the main the main room? stage? That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so you you really are now getting. You know, you you sort of really now, I think, feeling at home in the DJ booth. You I felt I mean? much more confident as yeah. a DJ as well after yeah. um, playing all those sets. I had to yeah. start off at the start of the night, and there's nobody there. You're just learning everything. Yeah, you learn how to build exactly. it up. You learn how to keep it. You yeah, know, you, 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 you learning just, the and, and like CDJs you said, you, you've basically and... been paid to practice for six hours a night, three nights a week for two months. Yeah, so you know, exactly. you, you've come on loads, and not even just even just the very fact that you know that you've held a residency in Ibiza yeah. gives you a lot of confidence. Exactly. So. You're getting over kind of Christmas and New Year. Did you do anything big like New Year? Or, no, it was like it was obviously the Highlander thing was a big thing. And then, um, but you've got, but basically in your mind you're just counting down to going back, back to, Ibiza. to Ibiza. Yeah. So, talk to me about that. Why does what happens to to why does Coco disappear? Um, like, so I don't know. I just I thought I, I think as I was getting like I was getting older. I was only a year older, but I, I, thought, I thought I was starting to get a bit cringe. Okay. <laughs> and. Um, I was just seeing like everyone's names on flowers, and then I was thinking, and then a lot of people were saying, like, they didn't know who I was. Okay. So, like, say I was on a flyer, they didn't know it was me. Okay, they didn't. They, so they maybe were buying a ticket from you. Yeah. They didn't know that you were Coco. Right. right exactly. Okay, okay. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. So I'd be. So it was that thing as well. Like I wanted, like I didn't have like an artist page or anything at the time. Yeah. Like no, so nobody really knew. So I was like Hannah Lane. Obviously, because you had a big you. 
you I had, had a, a local following, following. Yeah. a massive local following so you wanted following. people to know it was you as well yeah. Yeah. so but when I started DJing these other places Glasgow and all that yeah. and then like yeah I wanted my name to be on the flyer as me and so no one, but no one said that to you that was a decision you kind of made yourself yeah, no, that was a decision I completely okay. made myself. I started, to, yeah. I, to be honest with you, I don't you like it was never meant to be that, but just because everyone called me that and the epic nights, they, they put me on the flyer. Yeah. So, so, so weirdly, you never really made that no, decision to create. Coco. No, they just put my. You just, you just made the active decision to get rid of. Yeah, <laughs> okay. so they, they put me on the flyer. It's cool. Okay, yeah. So, uh, so you went. So you quit your job again. Yeah, so I left my... I said, right, I'm way back. I'm going back to Italy. But did you go out earlier this time? So, yeah, I went out earlier. Um, like May, June? I went out... Um, so did you do Colours Fest that I did Colours Fest again, and I went straight... I think Colours Fest was a Saturday, I went to Ibiza on the Monday. Okay. Because that's only... And we in the same local tent again? Yeah, same And did you sell two buses again? Same, same, same. <laughs> easy days. Um, like, it was easy to get the numbers. Yeah. at the time. But, yeah, so I done Colours Fest again, and then... But you went back out to Ibiza, but now you're like, I'm going to be... Hannah Lang, I'm not going to be yeah. Coco. Were they? So, were you on like artwork got, now? So for, now, so basically, they got me a banner made. Yeah. So I got Hannah. I had a Coco logo before. I got yeah. a Hannah Lang logo made. Yeah. And like, um, like a press shot which I'd never had before. Yeah. Um, like a banner, um, that just got hung up. Amazing. Like on my night, it was my banner Amazing. on Dan's. Yeah, it was we his. So yeah, it was Hannah Lang, and then same deal. Three nights a week. Three nights six a week. Hour week. But but same. are you this season getting more gigs in other places? So, yeah, so started and um, getting gigs in other places again. These none of these are paid, um, and I started kind of getting a name for myself amongst the workers and stuff. And um, I got I managed to get a gig in Sankey's. Amazing. So I played in Sankey's a couple of times. Um, so that to me was um, moving forward because I wanted yeah. to get out the West End. Yeah. I didn't want to get out the West End. I still love playing the West yeah, End, but, but I wanted yeah, to do yeah, something bigger. And um, I met some workers that they had their own brand and they were throwing a party in the Spectrum room, which was st- like they've got the main room, then they've got Spectrum room, yeah. they've got the basement and whatever. Um, but this is a massive room. Um, the whole roof was lit up like strips. It was so cool. So I played there. All my workers' friends came, got them guest lists. And yeah, that was amazing. So I guess, oh, I don't know why at this point I want to ask this question, but. I obviously don't know any different. I've always been a guy. You don't know any different. You've always been a girl. Yeah. I, I hope. I, I'm sure. I, yeah. I, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess the question I wanted to ask, which and I've just laid out the factors there, which mean that maybe we don't know any different. But like, do you feel like being a, a, a female, like a girl? Do you think it helped in, or did it hinder? Is it? Have you ever felt? Have you ever no, felt particularly I, either way about it, or is it just? Have I you always felt quite negative about no, it? No, no, I, I think that's helped hundred percent. Okay. Um, as you'll know, there's obviously the scene is dominated by males. Yeah. Um, when I first started out as well, there was a lot less female DJs. It's getting yeah. more and more common. Yeah. Um, so it was like a novelty thing as well. People, okay. people, people liked it. You know, so it was just something different to look at on the decks. You know what I mean? People's like, oh my God, it's a girl DJ. Yeah. And I think it worked to my advantage. And yeah, I'll admit that. And it did. Um, people but say, I don't think, yeah, but I don't think you should admit it. Ultimately, yeah, yeah, you, you were just yeah. doing what you love. Yeah, I'm just and, doing and, that. And, and it worked and, in and, my favour. It worked in your favour. Yeah. But yeah, I, I do think it's yeah. interesting. And like, But I you know. mean, there's been negatives along the way with it, but I would say 80% positive. Cool. I mean, I don't want to get yeah. into anything like, no, like, too dark. Yeah, yeah. But like, but yeah, and, and I could say I, I don't know because I can't, yeah. know any differently yeah. but like I, it did you know and it doesn't it hadn't struck me in any sense prior to that moment really of just thinking like 
oh wow, like going to my Ibiza, yeah. you know what I mean? It was like a, I think because I was so young and it was a, a young totally girl. fearless. Yeah, and then people were just like, it was, yeah, people were liking it. What and was so when you, you know when you were, that see, even that second season, right? And you are in the West End, you're in the Highlander, but you're definitely doing more of the stuff now because yeah. you know more people, you play Sankey's with it. Yeah. Were you, with many other girls DJing in the way that you were, I'm not talking about like, you know, a techno, a techno super goddess yeah. playing. Were there any other girls there that was a work on the, in the West End? Yeah, okay, there was a couple. So you weren't the only no, one. No, I wasn't the only one. But there, yeah, obviously there was, still in the minority. Yeah, yeah. There, no, there was a couple of other ones. They were a lot older than me. Um, I think they had a lot more mature sound than me. Okay. Um, and did you, they did, they, did they, were they sound with it? Um, I, like... Well, yeah, I actually became quite friendly with That's them cool. as well, which was cool. They were really nice, helpful. That's nice. Yeah. Cool. So you're doing your second season in Ibiza. Yeah. Anything else, any other huge yeah, highlights so of that summer? Or? Basically, Colours were doing an event in Ibiza yeah. that year at Ocean Beach Club. Okay. Um, they had the main bit and then they had like a wee inside room yeah. they said like you can play the inside room so who contacted you for that? well Ricky so now me and Ricky were speaking yeah. and I said can you sell tickets? And I'm like, right I'm in Ibiza now I'm selling tickets in Ibiza like, right I'll do my best so I sold them well all. you're in the island right? yes so. all my workers mate <laughs> yeah. and it was a Scottish takeover yeah and so it's just yeah. it was Eddie Halliwell headlining right. at Ocean Beach Club yeah. so random by yeah. the way like to have him at Ocean Beach he was playing in the main bit and I was in room two oh. and uh, it was like I say room two it was just this tiny room at the side of the bar inside nobody was there not one person but I played and my name was on an Ocean Beach flyer um, and that was yeah that was for colours and, and then just and then just I mean we could fucking talk for five hours about Ricky McGowan <laughs> I, love, I love him a bit I'd like to do a podcast with him but I'd scared I'd never get a word in but, um, but I mean he is a character but also in Scotland if you are playing dance music to have a, any kind of personal relationship with Ricky McGowan is it's phenomenal do you yeah. know what I mean and you certainly know you're going to yeah. progress in things um, so you come so you've done that for Ricky yeah I've done that and then I like I, I was um, I just walked into the Highlander that morning we were all arranged to meet at the Highlander that morning well that early afternoon everyone that was going and we'd walk around together and I walked in and like all oh, my friends were looking at me I just turned around and my mum and auntie were sitting there as I oh was that a total surprise they came more surprised me to amazing. come to the ocean so yeah that was great and like they were like met Ricky and all that and yeah it was nice cool so you come back so when was this when was this when was, was this? August but was when August. was it no but when was the second year how many years ago was that like how many this was my second season yeah but how many years ago from now was that Um. so that was four years ago okay so you come back from having done that which is pretty by all accounts successful second Ibiza season yeah. had and Ibiza worker now <laughs> Um. what next so, so what do you what do you what do you think sitting on that plane flying back to Scotland what do you think you're going to do what's the next step yeah so I just came back again and then another, another dental nurse and job and then I went and then my, the woman that I'd worked for said somebody on maternity leave I'm actually needing okay. someone for only a short term contract she was like I've gotten really well with this my boss and yeah. she was like she was like I'd have you back she was like if you want to come back she was like but like, you can't start for like another month or something so okay. I just came back and I didn't work for like a month still DJing and stuff just yeah. getting paid a bit more I yeah. got by um, and, doing, and that's how it works for, for everyone I think well, for most people it's just gradual yeah. so then you're doing like probably you're down in Glasgow a few more times you're getting a few more quid for the gigs yeah. that you are getting paid for exactly and it's just moving on um, and then I've obviously got that job dental nursing again yeah um, and okay. was your plan to go back out to Ibiza yeah, again, again the following season. season I had the bug I did yeah. not get enough of it I loved it so much 
Um, so how many seasons have you done all together? Right, okay. So this is my last season. Okay, so yeah, I think my last. Are season. you running your own events yet, or anything like in this, no, in this? So in this time between the second the... season and the third season, yeah. are you just still doing quite similar stuff? Yeah, in just the Dundee, same. Glasgow. Yeah. So then coming round to that pre so third after my, season. Uh, no, it was after my second season. Yeah. Um, I'd I met some when I was DJing in Sankey's. I met two American guys. Okay. And they're like, oh, we loved your set, man. <laughs> uh, I was like, cool. They were like, will you run events in New York? I would love you to come play. And I was like, yeah. Because I had a lot of you do get a lot promises of things. and yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. And I'd, I'd tried to take away a pinch of salt because at the start I really got my hopes up about things and I was really disheartened. Yeah. So anyway, I gave him my email address and and then he emailed me. And I still thought, it's, it's like, I want you to come over and play New York. He's like, I'll sort you a gig, do it like a mini tour. And I'm going, and my parents are going, well, like you're 19 and he's wanting you to go to New York on your own. Like, we don't know. <laughs> but then we, yeah, we looked him up, looked up his events. And yeah, it was legit. He booked me. Okay. So I came back from Ibiza end of August and I was away to New York in November. Amazing. And yeah, that really, really took off. Like, well, because I'd been booked to DJ in New York. So basically, he booked me for like after hours events, like small 200 capacity venues, um, like breakfast clubs. So I was starting to DJ at like 8 in the morning and finishing at like 11. And this is when the parties were starting, but it was really. So I'd go to sleep and then yeah. I'd get up in the morning and I'd go over my set. Yeah. Um, I DJed in um, New Jersey, Brooklyn. Amazing. Um, and yeah, and all these really cool parties, and like he paid for my flights, my accommodation, yeah. introduced me to his family, and it was amazing. I'd never been booked for an international gig before, yeah. You know, so and it also looks really great to everyone, yeah. Back here, exactly. I mean, it is really great, yeah, yeah. But, 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 but yeah. in this game, perception is, uh-huh. you know, yeah, it looks massive. Like I'm, yeah. I was playing, like I had the flyer, like with all my tour dates in New York, for, like I was there for a week and I played like four times or something. Amazing. So I just I could not believe how that happened. Like I met these two guys and enjoyed my set in San case and they booked me to come and play in New York um, they loved my Scottish accent apparently uh, you're, 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 you're Scottish yeah. but you're, and you're an Ibiza resident you know what I mean it's, yeah. like, it's a lot of yeah. like cool selling factors for yeah. you know for an American but that, that, that happened and yeah it was amazing cool and then I was still coming back I was getting not really getting paid I was getting paid for some um, and but the fact that I'd been away and played in New York and stuff like it looked really good for my name and I was becoming more um, credible maybe instead of just um, DJing at pubs here and there, I was getting nice club bookings and stuff. Yeah. Um, You're doing more and more for Ricky now. Yeah, like, I was yeah. always playing. I always, always played for Ricky, always, and I always sold tickets for him, yeah. no matter what, no matter if I'd played in New York or no. Yeah. Sell tickets. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So. But uh, you're getting sort of. But, but in this, getting... in between this second and third season, are you now getting like better set times off Ricky? Like, yeah, like exactly. Yeah, so like, it was progressing. I was going from room one to room two. Yeah. No, from room two, two to room yeah, one. Yeah. 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 And you're um, going from sort of seven pm to like yeah, 10 so it was PM, yeah. yeah, it was just it just gradually gets better and better. Like although it did happen quick for me, it still happens in stages. I didn't get my first gig in main room peak time. Do you know what I mean? I'm still yeah. And I, as I'm yeah, I might be getting better gigs in main rooms, getting put on the bill with these big artists, but like I'm s- still having to graft for it. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. But yeah, like it feels good. So, so after that kind of after the New York thing, mm-hmm. you roll over like Christmas and New Year. Do you then go and do? Colours Fest for a third time? Yeah, well, before that, in March, I got the same promoter booked me for Miami Music Week. What? Yeah, right, so it was, again, small, That's dingy amazing. venues. Yeah, but you still After hours, exactly. So, um, That's amazing. I actually went back and DJed in New York again. He said, right, well, why don't you come back to New York and DJ again in March, and then we'll fly over to Miami. Amazing. So I went 
And I played like one gig in Miami and two in New York. Um, Where did you play in Miami? Um, it's called, it's like the wine cellar. It's okay. just like a tiny wee warehouse. Cool. It maybe held 150 people. Again, it was like six in the morning. It was amazing. amazing. So, so good. Cool. So you've done that again. So you've done that twice. Yeah. So then that was in March and then yeah. I went to Good Fest again. So, and then were you still in the local tent at this point? Yeah. The third, for the third year? Yeah, it? still in the local okay. tent. Okay. So then you go back to Ibiza. Go back to Ibiza. Third season. Doing just the same sort of things, doing sand keys and stuff again. Yeah. Um, Colours done Ocean Beach again. I got to play in the main bit. Yeah. So I got to play poolside. Yeah. Um, like, I was still on quite early, but I was busy. All, like, all my friends were there. And yeah, I absolutely loved that because it was the first time I'd really played, like, like at a pool. It's yeah. all been clubs and part yeah. daytime. It was yeah. amazing. Yeah, I loved that. Um, and then, obviously, that was, again, like, late August and I came back to Scotland again after that. But that season, like, my third season, a lot had changed Okay, so in what ways? The Highlanders... With you or with, the, with Ibiza, no, with, with the West Ibiza, End? Or, okay. with the West End. So a lot of rules were coming into place. Like, we had to start closing earlier. Um, you weren't allowed, like, um, tables outside. Um, so volume affected? Um, so, yeah, the volume was a massive thing. We had neighbours, like, living, like, in the building. Yeah, and like, like just loads of stuff like that. They, they wouldn't say Ibiza itself was going down. How I'd say the West no, End. Yeah, was going they, were, they were. They were basically authorities were cracking yeah, down. Yeah, they the West really End. were heavy, and like it was kind of taking it was taking the fun out of it a bit because we were getting less busy, and I was DJing like twenty people, whereas I used to DJing like two hundred. Yeah. And instead um, of finishing at six, what time are you finishing? Um, I was finishing at like four. Okay. Um, like and now I think it's but they were just basically three. they were just trying to get less people to be out and rowdy in the West End weren't at that they? Time, that, that's what yeah. they were trying to do so like and then like even that year like Colours tried to do some boat parties and stuff so was that with Jack was, Jones? yeah like, no it wasn't it was actually oh, right. after that okay uh, and then like I was res- resident for their boat parties and some of them done really well some of them didn't um, it was just getting a lot harder okay um, to like attract folk like from okay. the West End um so I thought And were you kind of aware of that during the season or was it like after the season? No, no, back? it was during it. And, right, okay. Um like they started like You're just feeling a bit down about yeah, it. Yeah, and it, like I started trying to like try to pay me less because it was the bar was less busy yeah. and I'm going, Well you don't pay the bar staff the, less. The rent's so, not yeah, the rent's yeah. not cheap there. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, that kind of just, So was stuff changing in your head then? Like were you thinking Yeah. We, so I was thinking like I was I was loving everything else that I was doing. But I think that the the Highlander had had its time, and I think that I was doing like quite big shows and stuff now for me and nice clubs. Yeah. And then I was thinking that I think now I've kind of grown out of the Highlander. Okay. So I thought, right, I'm going to just and I went home a bit earlier that season, and I thought, right, that's it. And did you have like a like, you know, and it's not always the case, but did that did you have a plan like like well, going I, home that third year yeah. were you like right I need to do this I need to do that or were you still just like yeah, no, look I've had a good time I'm enjoying yeah, it yeah so I was enjoying it and I came back and then like I really like I was like I love like, Dent Anderson's fine I don't love it it's fine I've just always what I've known and I was like really the DJing thing was going great and um, a lot of people then started like making comments stuff like like you know you're doing so well as a DJ um, and you've done this all without production like if you started getting tracks out there, like you okay. would go, and then that's when it really started getting into okay. my head. And so, what sort of people are saying this to you? Just like um, other people in the industry. Okay. So like other DJs. Yeah, or yeah. Okay. People, like promoters and yeah. stuff. And like it was then I really started thinking of it as a career. Yeah. Like when I was getting paid and all this, and um, I, di- I didn't do dental nursing when I came back. 
third year I think for a while okay and um and I was, I was like right I'm wanting to start learning how to make music um so, and how did you go about that? Because I think that's really interesting for anyone who's, so, who's thinking about it. How, how did you even go about it? So, like, people have been saying it, and it took me a while to be like, right. So, the first thing I'd done was downloaded FL Studio. And yeah. I looked at it, and I watched Colorado. Fruity Loops. And I thought, oh, my God, like, I don't have, I don't get, I don't understand this. But I thought, right, I'm going to need help. So, I booked onto a course. Okay. And, um, like, I'd been messing around with FL Studio for a few months, trying to get to grips with it. It was all right. Yeah. Um. And then, I, and then everyone was like, "Oh, use Ableton." And but I, I, I used a demo, and I was thinking, "This is so complicated, considering I don't even know what I'm doing." Yeah. But I thought everybody that I was wanting to talk from used Ableton, so I okay. Thought, so I went and did a course on Ableton, not okay. about producing. Yeah, yeah. Just how, just how, learn, to, use how, how to use Ableton. So where did you do that? So class? I did Soma Soma School in Glasgow. Okay, cool. Yeah. Like what was it like? A, was it like a week or was the it a like... weekend course? Too. Okay, cool. Well, I ended up in two, okay. but initially I'd only done one, yeah. so it was like intense Saturday, Sunday, yeah. and it was just how to get around Ableton. Yeah, and, and it's a wicked bit of software. Yeah, like, so it is amazing. how to get get around um, Ableton really, and yeah, that really helped. So after that, I started messing about on Ableton, watching a video. Yeah, so we, and were you watching like tutorials on YouTube? Well, constantly. And... That's really uh, yeah, but like I mean, I'm the type of person like I really need shown something, then I can practice myself. Yeah, like I was struggling to. Like get like I was, I was making I was using loops and yeah. stuff, and like, like getting, getting stuff and, yeah. going, but it was a mess. There was like I wasn't doing any mixing down as I was going, and I needed all these wee bits. I needed someone to show me, so I thought right. So I started getting tuition at Escapade Studios. Okay, um, have you heard of that thing? No, um, it's in Dumbarton. Okay, um, so I started going there and. It's, the thing is, though, like it's expensive, so I'd go anytime I had money. I was going there. It's like a two-hour drive as well. Okay, so it's like a two-hour drive. And how much was it, just for example? Two-hour drive, and it was like much did I pay again? Well, and what are you doing? Like a course, or are you just doing one-on-one tuition? Just paying like I, an engineer. I, I to got like... disc. I got discount right, and I paid twelve hundred pound for like ten sessions. Like okay, four okay. hours. Yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah. It's not like, too bad, really. Yeah. But, like, I wasn't working, right? So I was struggling. <laughs> You're right? Yeah. Money. yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, I got to know the guys there as well. Like, they had me play on their live stream and stuff. Okay, and cool. So they'd given me a discount. And, yeah, yeah they helped me so much. Um, Are you selling tickets for them? <laughs> no, not selling tickets to play on their live stream, thankfully. <laughs> Just paying them to learn. That's so I was, cool. I was having one to one tuition, and that, yeah, that helped me so, so, so much. And what are you like um, with sort of like self-discipline like because it's a conversation that like you know i know about anyway but i have other people like are you at this point could you just sit in front of the screen yeah, and work for like six could, seven eight but, hours but i had one issue right was like when i was going out at, like in djing like i was like i'm still the same to be honest like drinking too much and that and then after the weekend my head just wasn't lethargic, in it yeah yeah so like it was it wasn't until maybe like the wednesday i was getting back into it so I've no yeah. very well that working week. Yeah. <laughs> I still, so, I still so from, that now. I was DJing every weekend, Friday, Saturday, and then I was trying to do this, and like it, it was, and then I ended up stopping doing it for a few months, and I was like, I can't do this. Like this is too hard. I can't do it, and the the frustration was getting to me a lot because, like, I'm obviously I managed to pick up DJing a lot quicker. Yeah. Um, and this this was just a totally different ball game for me. Yeah. Like obviously the musical theory as well as learning how to use yeah. right and the, the, obviously the computer side of things um, and I, I stopped for a few months and then and I'm still my gigs were still coming I was doing really well I was like right 
Like, I really want this as a career. And to get anywhere these days, I need to be making music. Yeah. So, yeah, I started. I was like, right, I'm going to do this. So I was going back to Escapade. And I, I learned with Escapade and then doing it myself. I'd do. I'd work on a track. I'd go back. We'd work on it together. Yeah. He would help me. And, like, still to this day, that's who I get help from. Of course. Like, it's such a long process. Now, I've been producing for about three and a half years yeah. now. And still every day, I'm learning with it. And I think it's it's another, again, really important point to highlight is that you were prepared to, and I think all, everyone I've ever met who's managed to earn a living out of DJing has always heavily reinvested in themselves, whether yeah. it be equipment, whether it oh, be yeah. knowledge, whether it be studio equipment, whether it be studio time, whether it be mix engineers, whether it be mastering engineers, whether See, it be promotion. Still to this be, day, it's yeah. every, I invest so much money back into it. Yeah. And like I was saying this to my mum the other day, like I only work part-time now. I just do dinner on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah. And then I'm free. Yeah. But, um, so they get the good. And, they get the good days of your week. <laughs> they get yeah. the Monday, Tuesday. Then, yeah. yeah. So then, and then obviously I've got that time, but I still like yeah, I've got two wages coming in, but I'm still putting money back into it. Yeah. Like so, yeah, it's it's because you always want. I mean, even once you've got you, you know, your, your, your DJ equipment. Yeah. You've you've always you always want a better keyboard, a yeah, better, better pair of monitor speakers, a better pair of studio headphones, yeah. a better screen. And, and like, even then you've got, when you make you make a better record and you want, like and that. we'll come on to that in a minute, yeah. but you, you've made your record and you want it promoted, you want it PR, you want it exactly. like, you want a, you know, a Facebook sponsor, an Instagram sponsor, mm-hmm. you want a company to send the record to like the right people. Exactly. Like you want another new photo shoot, which you hate yeah. getting done, but you still have to get done. You want so a new logo. It. Yeah. So like, it's just, it's just for it's people that don't know. Yeah, there's there's a, there's it, it, there is a lot of money that goes that goes back, back into stuff. It. You get paid for a gig and then you put it back into it, and yeah, that's really how it works. So but, without going like super deep into the yeah. production side of things, well, we are going to, but I mean, like, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you're learning it, you're getting better, yeah. you've got help, you, you're also paying for tuition. Yeah. What was the first like sort of not the first thing you made because that's a ridiculous question. What was the first thing that you kind of you sort of finished and you know you tried to get signed or you were proud of or like what was the kind of first thing or even even if you don't talk about that, what was the first thing that people heard for the um, first so, time and got so you a bit of recent. notice and this is like recent. Yeah, um, like, I feel like I've been getting tracks off you for ages, but no, right. no, definitely not. Okay, <laughs> um, I think I sent my first track last year. Okay, yeah. and what was that? So what was the first track that you were kind of happy enough with to sort of send out to people and? and um, it was a remix I'd done for Jackie Jones. Okay. Um, and he and uh, done a track called Charlie Says. Yeah. And I remixed that, and uh, like I got stems and stuff, and I, I kind of tried to make it my own. Like I didn't use. And what more. sort of style was that? Um, like tech house. Okay, cool. So, so, you, so since you, you've really been producing, you've only ever I've, really I been know producing. What, yeah, because that like tech, that tech house. Sound. That's kind of. Um, it was more house, but like a bit of tech. Yeah. Um. And, but it uh, yeah. certainly wasn't EDM. No, like, yeah, no, yeah, like my sound, my sound yes. is a lot more. Yes, yeah, so it's more like the one two five, one two four. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's the sort of sets I was playing yeah. out, and um, and, and that that feeling of playing like, your record out for the first time, like it's kind of nerve wracking. But when you get... yeah, well, I, the first time I went to play out, I didn't end up playing it. Okay, I was like, no, I can't do it. I'm <laughs> scared. But, yeah, and so yeah, I was play, I played it out, um, and I, t- I tested it out like at the union where I'm resident and stuff, like yeah. a big system and. See what it's so, like. so so let's so go back to when so when did you start getting these first like paid residencies like we'll come back to production but you, like you mentioned it there when did you first start getting like paid resident gigs here was it yeah so I th- I've only been playing at the union for like just over a year okay so I've, n- I've never really had a residency in Dundee no like I had colours but yeah. it wasn't like a 
It wasn't a weekly just, thing. Yeah. It was, yeah it was, and then obviously I had my Highlander thing, but yeah. I'd never had a residency before. And then I got involved with the union um, around this How did that happen? Last year. Uh, well, I played the closing party was there at Dundee Dance Event. Right. And I'd every year, like, I started getting booked to headline the closing party at Dundee Dance Event. And um, it was in. So you've come a long way from yeah, that. Yeah, so from, yeah. Um, like, I never used to play at the closing party, and now, like, yeah. I play in the main room. And, like, obviously, the people that um, run the union had saw me play in the main room at the closing cool. party. Cool, so then they'd sort of. And they'd said, yeah. like, and, like, I'd always kind of wanted in at the union, but I'd never, I don't know, I was, I was DJing other places. And Dundee, like, it was the reading rooms and the union where like, I wanted to play because there was nowhere really else Yeah, and it was really hard to, and it was so weird because I was playing all these great clubs other places but never in Dundee Okay, like th- th- nobody had wanted me to play like nobody had booked me like obviously DDE and stuff but like even the reading rooms were all like the underground artists were getting booked like I was never getting bookings there it was only very recently it started Okay, and it's maybe from making music I don't know the residency thing really helps though especially when you mm. are trying to to make music and I guess because just knowing that you've got a sort of a weekly amount of money coming in yeah kind of and it's probably what helped you go part time yeah with, yeah with, exactly with, with, with your day job and it just frees you up for that time because it's it's difficult if you've been out at work all day to then come home and switch on Ableton and try yeah. and be creative because exactly. you're, you're tired man and you yeah. want to do other stuff so that so was just, ideal for me yeah like knowing that you've got that time. kind of money coming yeah. in um is really good and where does like Hannah's Choice coming to all this stuff? Um, just this year. Okay, so what's Hannah's Choice? So, well, actually, it was last year I launched them. Um, I thought, right, everyone's always, like, asking me for mixes and stuff, and I thought, right, I need some structure. Like a brand. Have, yeah, I want to yeah. have my own podcast. So I launched Hannah's Choice, just a random name. Like, cool, it's like what it. I like. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The music I'm into. It's cool. Um, like Sultra Select. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, along with that. It's cool. Nice. No, so I launched that podcast, and the podcast was doing really well. And then recently, um, the... Oh, so, did you, so you launched the podcast Last first. Year, so the yeah. kind of like so the the, the evolutionary digital um, revolution stopped being CDs and it became, it became a podcast. A podcast. Um, did that, you do that yourself? Did you work out how to get your podcast online and everything yourself? Yeah. So yeah. I I just I put it on SoundCloud. That's it. And okay. then a brand contacted me, um, saying like, "Do you want us like we put got, it onto iTunes? Yeah. and all that kind of so stuff." So it gets put on there from them every month. Cool. Now. So I launched it last Friday of each month. Hands okay. It's like an hour mix. It's an hour mix. Can you speak on it? Or? No, like I'm still. That's cool. I'm like, yeah. Just, 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 it's just an hour. I started doing a bit of, of radio. The music that you've chosen yeah. in a mix. and It's got some jingles in it. Cool. But, uh, and how? Here's the question for you. How do you make that mix now? So, yeah, I just, honestly, see, still, when I press that record button. Oh, do you still do it live? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I, I wasn't expecting you to say that. Because when I'm, like, when I'm DJing, I. Like the stuff that I do that you just wouldn't be doing on Ableton, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. throwing in loops, hot cues, and yeah. stuff like that. That's the way I DJ, so that's yeah. the way I would like to DJ in my mix because yeah. that portrays what I do. Cool. So um, well, I think that's really um, admirable because we, I mean, me and Ben Ray are having the same conversation. Like we were just sort of saying, like, you know, I'm not sure I'd give anyone a gig off a, a mixtape these days because it's just so it. easy to do yeah. it on Ableton. No, from, the, from when I started a podcast, that's always the way that's I've done cool. it. To be honest with you... So I, does it still take you a couple of takes now? Yeah, so this is what I'm saying. As soon as I press that record button, like, I'm like 20 minutes in and then... I, Your mum's starts hoovering, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. She's always hoovering, but no, it's fine. No. Um, but yeah, yeah I still mess wrong. up. I yeah. still mess up. Like and like when you're live, you mess up, and then you just get on with it. Whereas because you can hear it again. Exactly. It's but gone. this is going on. Like there's been times that I've got a wee slip up, then I fix it, and I like. Do you know what? I'm not even going to start again. Yeah. Like this is just DJing. So yeah. 
like if you don't like it, then like if it goes out of time and then I fix it, and yeah. I'm like, that's going. That's daydreaming. That's going course, in the podcast. Of course. So that's where the podcasts cool. are. They're not mastered. Nothing. So, just so to this point, which is now like well, nearly June 2019. How many Hannah's Choice episodes has there been? Ten. Cool. Okay, so you so haven't quite been doing it for a year yet. No, ten months. Cool. And then, so this tomorrow it'll be number ten. Cool. And I recorded that yesterday. Nice one. Okay. How many, so ta- how many times did it take? Twice. Twice. But it was only like ten minutes in, and then cool. I thought, do you know what? I I'm don't gonna like start that. Mick, I'm going to start again. And then did so then, but now Hannah's choice has progressed into being like an event. Did you yeah. do it at so, DDE or did you do it? So was, what happened was um, the Reading Rooms, the main underground club in Dundee, has been. And they're, they're the people that put like Patrick Topping on. And stuff yeah, like Carl Fat, yeah. MK. So like I sat and booked a couple of times there. I've only played there like five. Still times. quite small though, isn't it? Yeah, it's two, no, four hundred. That's bad. Yeah, um, and um, that was the only kind of place in Dundee that had those kind of artists. Yeah, and they've been getting a lot of bother really from the police lately. They had their capacity stripped back to two hundred. So they can't now book bigger DJs because the tickets, right? Yeah, yeah. And then, like, so people are screaming out for something in Dundee, and I'm going, hmm. So I was like, right, I, I'm going to, I, I want to do an event. I want to do my own event. Like, I, I've got the tiniest bit of experience promoting my Coco's parties. Like, I'm just going to do it. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But I want to do it in a different venue because the reading rooms, like, I love the reading rooms, and everybody does, but um, it needs to go somewhere else now because who knows what the lifespan of the reading yeah. rooms is going to be. So there's this this venue called Church, and it's an old church. Yeah. And it's how did they think of the name? <laughs> it's all bands and stuff that play in there. Like a very occasional like DJ. It's like a music venue. Yeah. Yeah. So and I th- and it's like three hundred eighty capacity venue. Perfect. So I it was just before Christmas, and I thought right, I'll do it. And then I said, what what dates have you got? They're like we've only got. Fridays and I'm going oh because I'd ideally like a Saturday and we've got a Friday in the middle of the month and I'm going oh. that was the only one I could get I go, do you know what I'll go for it cheap tickets how cheap Fiverr yeah that's what I want to do it like no big yeah. acts and yeah. that and then um, back to selling tickets <laughs> yeah so I'd, I, I I thought right I'm gonna I want like a, a sort of a, not a big name but I like a something like that will make people come but I'd recently put an edit on blank. Yeah, you know that platform which was doing. Really so which one well. was that? Which one was that again? Romeo. Yeah, the Ro- yeah. yeah, wicked. I said so, that all the time. Um, I thought right, a lot, and I'd like started building up a relationship with the label owner at Blank, and yeah, like I asked him, would you come down and play? Yeah, um, like keeping the cost down, whatever. So I got him. It was like me, Blank, and then I've got like I asked my two friends and really good DJs that like they they aren't doing lots, but they're really talented and. Um, really nice guys and I thought like I want you to be the residents like you're from Dundee you're good DJs and yeah. like you can do the warm so who's that shit give me a shout Paul Finlay and Kieran Cameron okay Okay. so they do back to backs together cool um, they never like they've done it like occasionally before then but like for my brand I get them to do a back to back they play really well together cool they bounce off each other and they create a really good vibe when they've both got that presence on the stage cool so um, I've done that and I like I was so difficult like I sold like it was like 80 tickets and it was like a week to go okay. and um, like everybody was up for it but like it was something new to church and it, it ended up doing well cool I, like, I, like I, I packed out the venue like wasn't sold out or anything um, there was under 200 people there but like it's 380 capacity that's upstairs and downstairs yeah closed downstairs and it was packed I got um, I fully kitted it, the venue out uh, I didn't make a penny, a, a penny on this venue yeah. event. I actually lost money on it because I wanted for the first one. I wanted to like have like 
cool production and that you kind of need to do a lot to the venue to, yeah. to bring it to life. Yeah. Um, so I put in a lot of effort. I had like a big screen, uh, CO2, confetti. Um, I lost like 200 quid. Like, I wasn't I think losing 200 quid is absolutely yeah, fine. <laughs> Imagine I booked a headliner. Thousands. Yeah. <laughs> if, if I booked a headliner and I'm like, you know what, I don't care. Like I wanted the ticket prices and it went really well. Cool. And people loved it. And um and I, I managed to like meet some new people that came that I never met and like got chatting and now they're following the brand. And it's more networking that you say getting exactly. get a black guy up. And, yeah, and that know. was that's the that's the only event I've done. And then um and I thought, right, do you know what? I'm just gonna start doing them. I don't want to do them all the time because yeah. it is hard. Dundee's a small place. Yeah. Um so but I think that yeah, with like the reading rooms and stuff, I just want everybody to still have an option of these underground. So have you um, done it again since that one before Christmas? So no, 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 it wasn't before Christmas. I planned it then. It was in March, just oh, there. Oh, it was in March. Yeah. Oh, right, sorry. So I, I started planning it sorry. before Christmas. So it was the middle of March yeah, on a Friday I, night. I couldn't get um, a slot in the venue okay. until then. So, but it gave me like plenty of time to promote it and that. I got a promo video made and yeah, it worked well. And then you but, did... But like a week before, like, I'd not sold 80 tickets and I was... Like, but obviously I didn't know like that people were going to be last minute because I, yeah. I was still quite new to that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? With the Coco thing, it just went, it was different, you know? So, um, yeah, it was a lot difficult, more difficult. Like, I'm, like, I've been teaching in Dundee for years now. It's not as exciting. And, yeah. Yeah, but now, but obviously I've got this Hannah's Choice thing. Since then, I haven't done another event, but I... You did a Hannah's Choice thing at DDE, right? So, yeah, so I got to host my own venue. Great. So, like, they give you a venue and it's Hannah's Choice. That's cool. But I'm running, like, another event this summer. Okay. Um, I didn't really want to do, like, another actual event in between. But, like, a few weeks ago as well, like, I had um, Hannah, Hannah's Choice stage at a street party. Amazing. Um, oh, yeah, that was, yeah. So yeah, that, yeah, so that was amazing. Uh, went really well. So just, like, wee things like that. It's not like I'm having to go, like, sell out. Like, this is already a party and I'm getting to put my own stage on. It's yeah. amazing. Um, and then my next event is an all-day summer party um, in June, and that's like so. This is my second event that I'm running, and the ticket sales have been off the scale. Great, I think because it's a day party, it's summer. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Um, it's like yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. It's going and I, like I've booked. So is it all day and all night? It's all day and all night. I think cool. that mainly it was just supposed to be a daytime thing, three till eleven. But they said, like, we'll just keep it open. I said, right, fine. So is this back at the same venue? Back this is back at, at the oh, no, this is back. This is at the Union. Okay, so the union oh, wicked, yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. the students are away. Yeah, so the union will be closed, but I'm using their outside the terrace. terrace where I, yeah, yeah. Which day party. So we're cutting that out, and um, yeah, I've put, I've got like 14 DJs like coming from Amazing. everywhere, and I've got like John Mancini, yeah, um, headlining, and a couple other special guests. So because I've booked um, an older generation, older as well. and I've got young, you so like yeah, all my mum and dad, their friends, they're coming. The but that's a, that's a call back. That's a call back right to what you were saying at the start of you know that very first time you played um, the, the dance event when you were yeah. playing old records and new records yeah. and a mixed crowd. And, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it's, and that's like always like that's kind of what I'm getting known for as well. And people like because I do play like a mixture of old and new. I don't just play like a set full of classics, but like it's yeah. I think that's what helped me get my name about. Um, and yeah, that's so the ticket sales for that, and it's my second event so I'm really really happy before that's went cool so um, Hannah's Choice thing will hopefully be doing good yeah stuff. I think it's got it's got legs it could become a label do you know what yeah, I mean for, exactly. for stuff for you to do for yourself and for other people yeah um, so why did you we're kind of bopping all over the place here I'm just going to try and work out a few things in my head so what so you never so even leaving Ibiza that third season, yeah. you didn't think you were going to go back the following season just because so much had changed. Yeah. and you, and you, you were like, I knew I would always go back for holidays and occasional. But you weren't. But you weren't going to go back. But I think the season was finished. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then so production-wise, um, where are you with, like, um, obviously I just got your promo the other day. I saw it had been played to Elro. It got yeah. played out and stuff, More like the Murder of the Dance Floor, which is wicked. Um, so where are you with like? Um, so so where are you with like? Have you with records? Like, have you had stuff on? What labels have you had stuff on? Like, oh, like two labels. Okay. So I had these um, that remix that Jackie Jones wants. He signed it to his own label. Yeah. So that was great. Yeah. And then like I had another one like a wee while ago that was signed, which like it's techno. Okay. I was dabbling my bit of techno then. Yeah. So when I listen to the track now, I'm like. Oh, have you put a few that. things out on Blanco, haven't you? Um, just one. Okay, just one. Yeah, so then I was like, and then I started making edits for my sets. Yeah. And like, they were, work, they were just for my sets. Like, which is kind of like the Murder on the Dance Floor one. Yeah. yeah. So I was just making these edits for my sets and they were working really well. Like, I, there was stuff that I wanted. Like, for example, the Murder on the Dance Floor one. I've listened to that track since I was young. Yeah. I've always loved it. I used to play it in my sets anyway. Just wouldn't fit. Yeah, I'd but just now you wanted a techier version. Yeah, I would yeah. throw it in. And I thought, right, I'm going to make this. But then I made, obviously I made that edit, the Romeo one, and then I was playing Basement that Jacks. on a, a live stream, yeah. and then the blank guy was watching this live stream, and then he was like, whose is that? And I was like, that's mine. But like, I'd never put it out, it was just like, yeah. yeah you just in your set. Yeah. And he's like, I'll put that out as an edit, like, and, Free edit, and it yeah. got loads of... Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So and I was like, I'd, I'd never even like, thought about doing that at the time, and... Um, like I was just I'm still not like feeling like overly confident about putting stuff out there like still needing help to get m- the mixes sounding tight um, like you'll know yourself like oh, yeah. production so um, so where are you with Murder and Dance Floss you just had that so, yeah. promoed by Hyperactive yeah so so and what was the plan behind that to yeah try so and- the, initially right, I was still making these edits and making a couple of originals here and there sending them out not getting anything signed, sending stuff out, getting feedback. So then the modern dance floor thing, I made that. And then, um, like, I was putting it up, like, occasional places on, and people are really loving this edit. And I'm like, hmm. And then, you know, the platform T and Techno? Yeah. They, they want, they've messaged saying, like, oh, can we put, can we post this? Yeah. Because I made it, I got a vinyl spin made of it. Okay. And then I posted it, and the, the reaction was insane. And then they were like, can we post it? And I was yeah. like, yeah. They posted it, and it's, been like one of the highest things on their page like um one of the most viewed videos on their whole page so why is no one and so where are you with it why did so s- then then they said like oh and i like i put it up as unreleased yeah and like loads of people were like nah nobody will touch it and nobody will sign it because the vocal's too big and i'm like mm. and then um a label got in touch i can't say right okay. now I'll tell you later um so i signed the contract with the label yeah and um they're trying to get clearance at the moment. So, but the, is the is the vocal a acapella that you found? No. Has so, it been re-sung? No. So it's the original acapella. Oh yes, that's what I mean. So yeah, so it's yeah. the original acapella. It's, yeah. it's the original Sophia Ellis Beck. Yeah, but it's the whole track's completely. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, like it's the reaction I've had from that. Like I can't even believe. It. Like it's been mental every single day since I've put that people on messaging. So where it. are you with sample clearance at the minute? So basically, it got sent out on promo. Um, yeah, I got it. Last yeah. week, as unreleased, like white label. Yeah. Um, and they're trying to get clearance, and then they're and then they're not putting it like for radio or that just now, and they're trying to gouge people's reactions. Yeah. And then hopefully that'll help with the clearance, and hopefully like because what you'll probably have to do is get so what you, what what you would. You'd want to get the publishing cleared. They'll, sh- I imagine, so far, expect for one hundred percent of the publishing. 
Uh, but you, what you might have to do is get the vocal re-sung yeah. and then get it redone. Yeah. Um, I reckon I could guess the label in three guesses, but we'll not do it now. Um, but no, it's wicked, so so that's really So cool. I'm hoping, yeah, it works. If it doesn't work, it doesn't. It's still, like just now, it's only last week been sent out to big artists and it got sent out on the Tuesday and then on the Saturday I got a tweet saying it had been played at Elro. So I could only imagine... Oh, it'll, it'll, it'll do really well this summer. I mean, it'll be, it'll do, it'll do really yeah. well. It's, so I think yeah. that's going to help me a lot. Oh, massively. Now. Oh, yeah. Um, and still, yeah. So I've been obviously trying to. I've t- doing all these edits for ages, like making originals, sending them out to labels, not really getting anywhere. And then the la- the edit thing was kind of taken off. But I'm still back to the drum board, trying to get originals done. Um, and that's really where I'm at with production. Cool. The production thing has helped me so much, though. So you're not going to Ibiza this summer? Oh, well, not, you're not doing a season? No. Well, are I'll you be going, going out? Are you do, have you got any gigs out there for yeah, um, Ricky I've, or anything? They've not been announced yet, but, yeah, like Ocean Beach Club. But you might have some that yeah. will be announced very soon. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, and have you got any gigs? So you've got your gig coming up in June, the day party. Yeah. What date's that? That's the 28th of June... 29th of June, sorry, Saturday 29th, Saturday, 29th of, June. of June at Dundee Union, Union yeah, and that's yes. a day, day night party, you can get tickets for that now. Yep, fine. Um, there's going to be some Ibiza dates that'll be announced soon. Yep. Um, and where else can people see your DJ in the next few months? So uh, when I, after my Hannah's Choice event, like, that's a Saturday and on the Monday I fly to Hideout in Croatia. I'm nice. Go there, I'm not DJing. Maybe one day I'm... Part in there. Yeah, but you went to Colors Fest before you did that, <laughs> and then check from Hi- from Hideout, I'm flying to Czech Republic. Cool. And I'm DJing. It's a festival called Beats for Love. Cool. I'm on the house stage with like Claptone. Nice. Um, yeah, I saw the artwork. So that's like a, a big. That's a big one for me. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, in between that, I'm DJing like Belgium, Belfast. Um, Were you playing in Belfast? Um, no, you're asking. Can't I need to check the email. Can't remember the name of the club. Belfast. Um, yeah, I love Belfast. The crowd's unreal. It's just like it's just like Scottish crowd. Yeah, it's really. mental. <laughs> and um, and then I've, I'll be I'm playing like EH One Colors Fest again, um, and a few more places um, in the summer, like um, in around Scotland, um, down south, London, Liverpool, Manchester. Cool. So if you want to find out more about you, where do they find you on social? So um. Hannah Lane DJ on Instagram, Hannah Lane DJ on Facebook, Hannah Lane DJ on Twitter. Cool. Okay, so we're going to wrap up the podcast in the same way that I always do. And what that is, is uh, I want like a dream gig. So you get to pick the venue. Mm-hmm. It can be like, it can be a club, it can be uh, a festival, it can be a terrace, it can be whatever you want. So the, the gig is wherever you want. Mm-hmm. And you get to have three acts on the bill someone to start someone in the middle and someone to close um, you can be on the bill if you want to be on the bill okay. or you can just create the acts that you want to be on so this is hard on the spot <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so artists that are already they can be dead they can be alive they can um, be active they can be not active they can be a DJ they can be a duo they can be a, alive they can oh, be a this band is, this is a hard one they can be anything they want you can be and, and the reason I didn't say headline is first, second, third so no one's really headlining yeah. you've just got three acts you know someone to start someone in the middle and someone to end yeah. I'm going to keep it well simple so what, So where's your venue? Um, would be Ibiza okay whereabouts? But, Probably a Shwire. Okay. And it would be a day party. Okay, so a day party at a Shwire. Yeah, and it would who's, be, who's on first? Um, who would be on first would probably be um, Roger Sanchez. Amazing. Right, and then it would be followed by... So some, why Roger? 
Um, I just love the way he mixes. His technical technical ability is off the scale. And again, going back to my mum and dad thing, it's listening to his tracks cool. growing up. Yeah. Um, and I love favorites. seeing him live. And yeah. Daytime at Shwaya, I love it so much. Has he ever played Dundee? Uh, no. no. That. I, I was on the same bills on Fiance for Colours. I was like, oh, oh this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, Roger to open. Yeah, Roger to open. Then next it would have to be someone like... I've got a story to tell you about Roger after we finish. Please do. Um, next, um, it's funny. It's just hard to think on the spot. We'd have to be. I'd say someone that would be like a massive inspiration of mine. So probably like Sam Devine. Okay, so we've gone Sanchez into Sam, Sam Devine. Yeah, and then and to finish close, it would have to be Cox. Cox to close because I mean he could play a mad techno set late at night, but his daytime vibes are just as good. He is unreal. Seen him in space car park during the day. Yeah. and oh, amazing. Cool, so we've got Ashwaya with Roger Sanchez, Sam Devine and Kyle Cox to finish. So yeah. I mean it would be more than a five for a ticket, but I reckon you could, <laughs> I reckon you could still shift a couple. Hannah, thank you so very much, it's been amazing. Oh, thanks for having um, me. Uh, it's been nice to meet you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Felix Leiter's in the house. The podcast about DJs, what they do and who they are.